What's up, everything? There's one week left until real hockey starts, but we're not grasping at straws for what to talk about. Which is ironic, because plenty of people we'll discuss in this episode will be grasping straws. But more on that later. We've got a lot to cover today, but our main focus will be an extensive preview of the Blues season and roster. And we're excited to finally be talking Blues hockey again, so let's get started and let's go Blues! Welcome back, everyone. This is the Two Guys No Cup podcast. I've already made an error. <laughs> it is Thursday, September 27th. We are coming to you from our dingy and recently disturbed studios in a cabin in Tampere, Finland, the hometown of Yuri Laterra. It is also the second largest urban area in Finland, the hometown of Finnish hockey, and home to the Finnish Ice Hockey Museum, as well as the sister city of Syracuse, New York. Ian, how are you doing today in beautiful Tampere, Finland? Thank you for having me. <laughs> it's very dark. I don't know, it's October. The police have been here recently, mm-hmm. and the sun doesn't shine anymore. <laughs> Uh, I guess we just leap in with this story. Yeah, let's go right for it. Let's, <laughs> let's go nose let's go first. For the <laughs> and so, news broke this morning, or not this morning, was it yesterday morning or Tuesday morning? Earlier this week. There you go. News broke that Yori Laterra, our dear former friend Yori Laterra, friend of the show, is one of a bevy of suspects. That has been questioned in regards to a Finnish cocaine ring. I'm sure you've all heard the reports, but let's discuss them anyway. <laughs> a report arose out of Finland that stated that Yori Latera was questioned by police regarding a suspected drug ring. Um, according to an ESPN article, quote, the Finnish news service MVT, I think it was MVT, mm. because I wrote M. TV, but I know it wasn't that. Mm-hmm. The Finnish <laughs> news service MVT posted a story saying that seven people are in custody, accused of being part of a group distributing two kilos of cocaine in Tampere in southern Finland. And according to the report, police raided a cottage owned by Laterra. But he was not there and has not been charged. Laterra 30 has denied being involved, according to the report. There were also roughly three quarters of a million dollars in jewelry and other valuables that were seized. Uh, Laterra is one of, as we mentioned, 23 suspects in the investigation. Uh, The NHL says it will be investigating the situation. Uh, Ron Hextall of the Flyers said, We have spoken with Yori Laterra in the league office regarding the reports out of Finland, and we will reserve any further comment on that matter at this time. Ian, your thoughts? <laughs> um, I think we all knew this was coming. Everyone. Everyone looked at Yori Laterra every practice and said, This guy is on something. 
And dealing large amounts. Oh, yeah. He looks like a drug kingpin. (laughs) He's always seemed that way. Mm -hmm. The Wilson Fisk of Finland. That's what they've always (laughs) called him. He knows when you want to get pizza, you go to Pizza Hut. And when you want to get cocaine, you come to yours. (laughs) In Finland. (laughs) Finland seems like a weird country to be... Have a cocaine ring. In. I mean, you you need something, I guess. Russians have hand. get cocaine somehow. That's true. And maybe Finland's like their Mexico. Maybe that would make their Colombia. This is like, this is so. It's it's almost more weird than funny. Like this dude was way overpaid to play in the NHL. And he needed a side hustle? Maybe we enabled him. He couldn't just be an Uber driver? Yeah, maybe we gave him the startup oh, capital. Oh, no. Doug! <laughs> what did you do, Doug? I'm really glad Bill Armstrong is our assistant GM, because soon Doug Armstrong's going to be in the gulag. <laughs> <laughs> the Finnish gulag. I just, like... Okay, so he's he's done in the NHL. Certainly after this season. <laughs> For multiple reasons, He would yes. have been anyway, but, like, what a weird career this man has had. Like, it's a truly remarkable story <laughs> in so many different and bizarre ways. He comes... So, in the first place, he's drafted what? Was he, like, a second-round pick originally? Maybe, or, like, a pr- third or fourth. a decent pick, but okay. not... Not like first round or anything. I'm gonna look it up. Okay, thank you. He he com- he stays in Finland forever mm-hmm. for long enough that we're like, okay, he's he's a decent prospect, but he's not coming over, you know. But then finally, kind of kind of out of nowhere, at least as much as I remember, he he decides he's coming over. Yep. To play in the NHL, and he must have been. I mean, he's 30 now, so he must have been 26. Yeah. 25 or 6 at the time. He was drafted in the third round of 2008. Okay. So that's 10 years ago. Yeah. So even when he was drafted, he was 20. And he came well, over what here. What was his first NHL season? 2013? Uh, 2014, because he was, he was the 14, big... 15? Yeah, he was the big center get okay. in 2014, the summer of, because it was him and Stasny. Okay, yeah. So when he comes over, he's already 25 or 6. Yep. And he... It, you know, and the, I think this is the thing people tend to forget about him. He has an incredible first year, really. And he finds, most importantly, he finds really strong chemistry with uh, Vladimir Tarasenko, and they become friends, probably because he was doing Oh, no. <laughs> Vlad, Sova, keep your nose clean, literally. Um, <laughs> that wasn't even a pun when I started it. Uh so, yeah, he must uh, he had like 50 points that first season, right? Or 44. 40, 44 still. But that was his career high in the NHL, yeah. so. <laughs> I mean, it probably doubled the rest of his entire career. <laughs> and then he signs the contract, which is laughably bad in hindsight and was a little questionable at the time. But he had a really great year, and he was friends with your superstar. Mm-hmm. So as much as we want to mock it in hindsight... And rightfully so. There is. It's not like it was totally without justification. No, I mean, there was a reason they signed him. Yeah. And they were hoping he was going to at least stick around 40 points. Uh, but Much like Shea Theodore, who we were talking, well, who we'll be talking about later, you're giving him a lot, hoping that he becomes worth more than that. Mm-hmm. 
in Shay Theodore's case, much like Yori Latera's case, it won't work out. But we're skipping it. <laughs> so, yeah, and immediately he just falls off the map. I mean, immediately he just plummets. I guess that's the summer he found the cocaine ring. <laughs> and then we trade him in the Shendio, and he's even less significant in Philadelphia, probably because he doesn't carry the baggage with him. And now, this. I just, I don't, I don't know what to, I, I, I want to make jokes about it, but I almost don't know what they would be. Like, they're so obvious, and yet not, at the same <laughs> time. I don't know. Do you have more things to say? I, I don't understand. I get it. I, I do understand. These are hockey players, and if it was the 80s, this would be not acceptable, but you would understand because cocaine <laughs> was the drug of choice for 80s hockey players when they weren't playing hockey. But even, like, Mike... Bossy, I don't know why I chose him specifically, but even like whoever in the 80s, mm-hmm. Bernie Federko, he definitely did some cocaine. Oh, he had the point. cocaine mustache. <laughs> whoever, even Bernie. all of those people, they weren't like drug kingpins. They just bought and used cocaine. <laughs> yeah. But they didn't own the factories in which it was <laughs> distributed. Now, now I'm starting to think like, He's Tony Montana, and he's just sitting there behind his desk <laughs> and just mounds of cocaine. I'm reloading my shot mm-hmm. to get to the front of the net to score <laughs> the pizza. <laughs> I just, like, I don't know. I think, as you mentioned earlier, he heard all those talks from Ken Hitchcock about looking in the <laughs> mirror, and he took it a little too yeah. literally. He took his whatever four and a half million dollars and rolled it up into one bill <laughs> and looked right in the mirror. I mean, this is, I don't know, this is so bizarre. Let's just, let's move on and joke about it throughout this show. Mm-hmm. The great last line of Deadspin's article on this subject, because this happened to coincide with the other cocaine-fueled nightmare (laughs) of the NHL from the same team. Real big week for the Philadelphia Flyers. Deadspin closed their article by saying, there has been no word on Gritty's involvement. Actually, they didn't close the article. It was just one sentence paragraph in the middle of the article. (laughs) There has been no word on Gritty's involvement. Ian, Gritty is the most horrifying thing Mm -hmm. that's ever been created. And it's also the greatest thing in the history of the world. Oh, yeah. Why don't you walk us through? And I think, because I think we both had a very similar process. Why don't you walk us through our collective, the world's collective response, really, to the new Flyers mascot, Gritty, who, if you haven't seen him, there's no way of describing him other than that he looks like the meth-addled love child of <laughs> Jacob Voracek and the abominable, abominable snowman. Oh. That's as close as I can get. So look him up. Gritty's rise to fame <laughs> has been a roller coaster. Meteoric. Yes. <laughs> at, best, at least. Uh, this was Tuesday? I think it was on Tuesday. I think it was the same day as the Lateral Okay. Thing. Tuesday I was at work and I was... Bored at lunch, and I opened up my phone, and then I saw someone had tweeted out, like, oh my god, what is this? 
and it was just a gif of Gritty skating from the blackness behind him and into life, into our lives. We didn't know we needed him, but we did. But not then we needed we didn't need him then because people hated Gritty. Oh, I hated and Gritty. Rightfully so. I you hated, hated Gritty. Gritty. Yeah, we all Mark hated, Gritty. <laughs> hated Gritty. And the, the sponsors. Hated Gritty. <laughs> no one liked Gritty. Uh, but in in the hatred in our arms together as a as a society we hated gritty we slowly grew to love gritty because <laughs> gritty is he's just a misfit like yeah, all of us he's what you would see in the dictionary i don't i know in the dictionary there aren't phrases it's words but the phrase for like so bad it's good oh, yeah. is just gritty <laughs> the whole page is a huge like open up into just a long shot of Gritty laying on his side all sexy-like. There's nothing about him that isn't terrible in a wonderful way. And they've embraced it so much. I mean, the character, the Mm -hmm. Twitter account, have embraced it so much (laughs) that it just works. I don't know. It just works. And I think what I was thinking about today that I realized is, like, we're always talking about yeah, I mean, you and I have talked about it, but we're always talking about how the NHL doesn't know I'm how glad to you're just have this up. fun. Yeah. And just do things that, even if they don't make sense, they're just fun. You know, like, the the sport in and of itself is fun, and it's crazy. I mean, if you think about hockey, it's a very bizarre sport. <laughs> yes. But then the league is so serious all the time and about really weird stuff too and i think this was the thing that initially you're a little bit infected by like the the honest hockey man syndrome where you're like nope 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 can't have any of that and it is horrifying i mean genuinely terrifying this thing is for kids that's what mascots (laughs) are for right and i'm sure there are many that will be haunted by it Forever. If I were a child, honestly, that would scare me. Like, I was a little kid that did not like clowns and like people in costumes. Uh, yeah. Like, very. Fred Bird, like, yeah. gave me the creeps. A yeah. Bit. I was very. A kid that was very suspect of things <laughs> yeah. around him. So, if I saw that thing walking at me, no way. I'm not going to Flyers <laughs> games anymore. Yeah. A thousand percent. But, like, over time, you just realize, like, no, this is more. Like, nobody else can do this. We don't want a thousand gritties out there, but this is more of what the NHL needs. <laughs> it needs personality, and forgive me, but God knows most of their players don't have it. Nope. And I do, I I love hockey players, but for the most part, they are either the most straight laced, white collar people that you'll ever see in a sporting venue, or and some of them, some of these people have this have both aspects of this personality. Or behind closed doors, there's sailors who have tons of personality but can't bring it out without bringing out the, you know, rated R stuff as well. So, like, (laughs) Gritty is great, I think, for the league. And he's gotten the league. He's gotten an NHL team and situation national media coverage. Imagine that. It's the first time that NBC has ever spoken of the NHL, and they own the rights to some of their games. <laughs> it was on Good Morning America. Like, I don't know. I love it. You oh, yeah. love it. <laughs> the sponsors love it. We're back on the gritty train. 
It's great. It's great. I don't. I mean, you gotta. You gotta look up the the Twitter. It's great. What did he say? Something about the <laughs> the Pittsburgh Penguin tweeted something about. Yeah. Some smack talk at him. <laughs> His response was sleep with one eye open tonight, bird. <laughs> <laughs> the amount of well, you sent me today. The amount of just photoshops of gritty. Like behind a child mm-hmm. in grain in a grainy photo way oh, yeah. far away, like a stock photo, yeah, or, or a stock photo of two people getting it on. Uh-huh. And here comes Gritty staring <laughs> through the window with his bulbous eyes that are too close to his mouth and because he con- possesses no nose. Constantly googly. Too. Oh yeah, those things move the whole time. It's, that's so wonderfully creepy. And I was thinking about this today too, like Louie. I like Louie's grown on me a little bit. Yeah, but now I now but, gritty makes me hate Louie. Well, that's because you're not gritty. Well, that, that's true. But <laughs> where's like, my gritty? Louie to me is like the 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 Jets' third jersey, which we haven't talked about much on here. But like, it's so safe that it's just kind of boring. Like, okay, he's a big teddy bear, mm-hmm. and I realize you can't like personify. The blues, like the blues music. <laughs> oh, I'm sure someone would try. I mean, you a could have like a weird notes. saxophone or something oh. coming out there, but like you want me over. I like Louie now. <laughs> <laughs> I get why, like for kids. And again, you said it was for kids, like mm-hmm. a big blue bear that's cuddly and smiley with a hockey helmet and a hockey jersey. It's fine, but it's safe. Like Louie is an N- the NHL's version of a mascot, mm-hmm. and gritty is. <laughs> Pink Floyd's version of the mascot. <laughs> and I'm taking Pink Floyd's version every day. Mm. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I'm sure there are still some haters. But I love him. Do you have anything to add on Gritty? I, I hope he I hope he speaks. I know they're not supposed to speak. Oh, he should. He should speak. But, like, his voice should be projected from across the room. <laughs> it should, like, always be behind you. Somehow. Oh, God. I love Gritty. I hope someone goes as Gritty for Halloween. I've already heard people say they want to see a sexy Gritty for oh, the ladies for sure. out there. For sure. You need Gritty Gotta in your life. Gotta get him in Shell 19. Oh, in yeah. Mascots mode. If I don't get to frickin' plow Tom Wilson with Gritty. <laughs> oh, yes. I'm, I'm not going to be able to sleep at night. It's... He's great. He's wonderful. Let's talk about some things that aren't wonderful. NHL extensions. <laughs> we'll start with Miles Wood, best porn name in hockey, other than Dan Hynote and his and his porn mustache. You're forgetting a Cal Clutterbuck. That is a pretty good one. Um, four years, two point seven five million dollars AAV for Miles Wood. Not a big point producer. I think he had like 34 last year, but um, he's kind of an engine for that team, and it's mm-hmm. low dollar value, so this is fine to me. Um, they need anyone <laughs> to play <laughs> forward for that team, or defense, or goaltender. They need anyone <laughs> they on need that team bodies. besides Taylor Hall, so this is fine. Here's one I didn't get. Here. Let me ask you a question. If a team in the NHL was going to sign a contract extension that I would not understand in the slightest, what team would it be? Mm. You got three or four suspects. Is it Vancouver? No, but you're close. I'm close. Geographically, kind of. Oh, is it Edmonton? No, a little further east. Oh, 
This is, this is a lot further east. east. Yeah, they speak French. It's the Montreal <laughs> Close enough, they're when the I same said country. Close, I meant in Canada. I'm sorry. <laughs> they signed Paul Byron for four years at $3.4 million. Now, I don't know Paul Byron. Maybe he's one of these Radic Foxa types that's just invaluable in the defensive end. The record of the Montreal Canadiens would indicate that they have no one of that <laughs> caliber. But what do I know? But he did have 35 points last year, which was down from his career high of 43 two years ago before that. And before that, he had never had a, over 21 points in a season. And you're thinking, that's fine, but he's a young player. He's emerging into his budding NHL career. He is 29 years old. I don't understand what Mark Bergevin is doing. He's not even... Paul Byron also isn't even a center. So he's not even doing that. I, I'm, I'm flabbergasted. I'm flummoxed. They just need... I'm not going to speak ill of them, though, because of them guns. Oh, yeah. Mark Bergevin will come down here. Would Mark Bergevin or Gritty win in a fight? You'd never see Mark Bergevin again. Never mind. Have have we seen Mark Bergevin and Gritty in the same place at the same time? we haven't. What if that's how he, like, releases steam? (laughs) He gets in his Gritty costume and just starts punching kids. Mark, are you going to scout the Flyers again? Yeah, wee wee. I'm going to scout the Flyers. Gritty, give us a funny line. Oh, no, no can do. No, no, no. Ow! I don't know what French people say. Uh, That was very offensive, I think. Well, you know. Um, I don't know what he's doing, but I mean, that's the same old, same old. These, they got to sign bodies. They need somebody. They don't have prospects I, that are ready to play for if them. You have but it's a long contract. A terrible team. Yeah. And it's not going to be great anytime soon. Then sign whoever for a four year deal at whatever price. I mean, I guess. Yeah. But they've already got that fella taken up like that fella in net taken up like a over a tenth of their salary cap. So, you know, it's not great. Uh, the Islanders signed Lucas Spiza. I'm sorry to them. I just wanted to pass along my condolences. I'm sorry to Lucas. Our friend... No of, one wins. <laughs> friend of the podcast, Mark Latestu, re-signed with the Blue Jackets. Do you remember what you did with Mark Latestu? <laughs> uh, yes, okay. I do. For those of you who... Don't know. I don't remember which episode it was. I think it was one of our bonus episodes. It was a bonus episode. (laughs) We tried to have Ian record the introduction, and he'd written, you yourself wrote a line in there about (laughs) why did it take three teams to trademark what test you, and you could never get past him without just busting up laughing. And we left a clip of the outtake in at the end of the podcast, so if you haven't heard it, go back That's and That's an Easter egg. And there you go. And then the big fish, Shay Theodore, signed for seven years, $5.2 million, mm. With the Vegas Golden Knights. Shea Theodore, who has never played more than 62 games in an NHL season. Shea Theodore, who the Ducks were willing to part ways with. 
due to their stacked defensive core, Shea Theodore, who played 20 minutes and 21 seconds per night last night in the regular season, Shea Theodore, who was on pace for 39 points last season despite missing 21 games because he didn't play consistently until November and missed the second half of February with an injury. What do you think about this signing? Because my reaction was initially very negative, Mm -hmm. and now it's just strongly negative. (laughs) (laughs) You've softened. Uh, I don't know. Did he he play on the first pairing for Vegas? I mean, sure, but who cares? (laughs) Okay. I don't think it's terrible. What was this? You said a lot of stuff. What were his points? He was on pace for okay. it. He did not get, but he was on pace for 39 in a full season. Okay. I mean, I, I don't He did th- have three goals and ten assists in the playoffs. I don't think my... So I will give him credit for three goals and ten points, excuse me, in the playoffs. I don't think I feel as negative as you do, but I do think that's a little high for what he... You know what? I don't even know if the money is high. It's the, it's the years. It's seven years. How old is he? 23? 24? Yeah, I think somewhere in there. Okay. I shall look that up. Well, we talked about before. They don't really do bridge deals anymore. It seems like a lot of people want to lock up their young guys by saying, hey, if we give you a lower amount for a lot of years, it will just barely dip in your UFA years You know, by the time that you're there. And then you can have another big contract if you have you know, a good seven, whatever, six, seven years here. And so it seems like a lot of teams are doing that. It seems like Vegas is taking that same sort of approach with Shea Theodore. I've always kind he's of liked 23. him. Okay. And so he's already be like, had his birthday this year. So, so he'll be 30. When he's done. Not the worst contract. In fact, I almost think the seven years are worse for him than they are for Vegas. I think for Vegas that might be a decent deal. But for him, I would think, man, I would want to get out of there in, you know, four or five years and say, hey, I'll even take maybe the same amount just so I can hit UFA and get more earlier. Yeah. Vegas, it's fine, but I don't know. 40, just sub 40 points, pretty close. You're kind of like a lesser points-wise, like Colton Pareko type Mm. player, and you're making, I guess, a little bit less than him, So, but for longer. What I'm trying to say is, meh. Yeah, I think I'm more mad than I initially was, but I think my concern with this in general is if I was in Vegas, I would not commit to anything long-term based on what happened last year. Mm -hmm. Which, excuse me, is why I liked the William Carlson signing so much. They said, hey, we'll pay you five and a half this year, but prove to us that you're a 40-goal scorer before we give you some big 8 by 8 contract or something. And he's not. I mean, he isn't. So we know that. But it was, I thought, a brilliant move before they locked him into any sort of long-term deal based on that performance. And so with Theodore, I guess I didn't realize he had as good a season as he did there last year. Mm -hmm. And he emerged as kind of the star of their defensive core. But I'm not convinced he's more than like a second-pairing guy. And I guess with all the flexibility and cap space they have there, they can afford to lock a second-pairing guy down for seven years, and or eight years, I guess, because I assume this is an extension and he'll be, you know, he has one year left. Yeah. 
Um, but I don't know. It, it does feel long to me. All the contracts this summer have felt long to me, which is why I tweeted about, I really wonder if they're already talking like behind closed doors about added contract relief in the next CBA, because some of these deals have just been like, what? On the length specifically mm-hmm. more than the years, or more than the term, more than the money, <laughs> more <laughs> than the contract. Words are hard. I don't speak them very often. I'm just silent he's a mute. between podcasts. Yeah, he's a mute till I come in. Um, till we start recording. The other thing, and that we can talk about. There was a tweet. Do you remember who it was? You said you respected him. So. <laughs> oh, the throw my respect under the bus. <laughs> um, oh, Gord Miller. Yeah, thank you. I was TSM. I wasn't trying to call you out. I just I remember. No, he's I a good. Remember the name. He's a very good announcer. And I like him too. I don't know. I it's don't a know weird. Super well. But it's a weird Twitter take though. Yeah, he was tweeting about how Shea Theodore's contract. According to some NHL executives, who I'm pretty sure were Kyle Dubas and Brendan Shanahan, would be kind of like a guidepost for William Nylander's contract. Mm-hmm. And I think the point he made was kind of along the lines of Shea Theodore was their first pairing defenseman, and William Nylander's just the Maple Leafs' fourth best forward. So how can he ask for more than that? But he definitely came. Yeah. To paraphrase. Kyle Dubas, he can and he will. <laughs> I do, I, it was so bizarre to me. So William Nylander, who for those of you who may not know or aren't paying as much attention to the Maple Leafs as we weirdly are by po- watching this or listening to the Steve Dangle podcast, is is the Maple Leafs young, unsigned, restricted free agent. He was a fir- high first round pick, I guess three years ago because he's now in an RFA three or four years ago. And he's still unsigned and they're most of the way through camp. So as it stands right now, he isn't a play. I mean, he is a player for the Maple Leafs, but he's not in the way that RFA is in Sweden. Think what Ryan O'Reilly was for the avalanche six years ago or whenever he, whatever the deal was that he signed, I guess. No, because the Sabres signed the long-term deal with him. So three or four years ago, whenever he was there, so, he remains unsigned, which is becoming increasingly obvious, I guess, and is increasingly throwing some question marks towards Kyle Dubas, uh, their young and new GM, who, after signing John Tavares, was asked whether he could keep all three of William Nylander and Mitch Marner and uh, Austin Matthews, and he said, we can and we will. So, I mean, I think, I think to me what it says is, hey, you made that big, bold promise, and right now you can't even um, sign the first one. Mm-hmm. You know, you're struggling to get the first one signed. And, and there is this, there's this weird thing that I've noticed in Toronto fans where, and maybe it's because the negotiation is saying so, is happening, so, you know, they're trying to play both sides of the card. But it happened a lot when people were talk, making all the Colton Pareko rumors mm-hmm. uh, where, you know, they'd say, oh, he's our fourth most important forward. He's our fourth best forward. He's not that important. And then you'd say something like, okay, then, the, you know, maybe you trade him 
or someone like him for a Colton Pareko if you need because your defense is so terrible. Um, I wouldn't, you know, mm-hmm. I'd probably say a more diplomatic way than that. But and then you know, not that I had these conversations with you know Maple Leafs fans, but I saw them had, and the and the Maple Leafs response would be, "Oh no, William Nylander is way too important for that." And if if I'm William Nylander. And I see those discussions, and especially if I'm his agents of representation and I see those discussions, I'm kind of coming to the negotiation table with a little bit of a chip on my shoulder. Mm. And I'd probably say, look, you guys drafted really well, and you had some great picks fall into your lap. But in in, 20, at least, of the 31 organizations in the league, our client is the best young player on the team. Mm. And we're not going to take crap pay from you just because he happens to be the fourth best player and the third best young player on this team you know i don't there's this there's this i'm sorry i'm talking way too much but there's this general perception that like he should just sign for less you know and i don't understand that what's your take on it i was going to say he should to, just sign he, for he less. should just do it end of story no the um shay theodore to william nylander comparison made me think of Colton Pareko uh-huh. signed what the sum last summer. This is his first year on his new contract. This five point five million AAV contract for the uh-huh. next five years. Well, David Pasternak also signed his contract that summer. Do you think they were saying, "Well, you know, Colton Pareko signed for five point five, David. We, you know, you're going to have to rein it in a little because he's, you know, a second line or a second pairing defenseman, a first pairing defenseman on a lot of teams." And uh, we just can't pay you that much more than that guy. That makes zero sense. David Pasternak then yeah. signed for a pretty cheap deal for him, but it's like I think he's the equivalent of William Nylander. Yeah. And I think Nylander can ask for more because the cap's going up. Right. And no one was saying that then. So why is all of a sudden? I mean, I know it's just Gord Miller, it's just one guy, but why would all of a sudden Shea Theodore's signing, you know, under six, be like, well? Nylander can't ask for more than seven now. Like these are completely different well, players. And plus, like. Defensemen are vital to any NHL team, mm-hmm. but they're always paid less than forwards. Unless you're in like the same way a they, top ten defenseman, and even then, and even then, the Drew top Doughty's ten forwards are more. Connor McDavid, you know, like yeah, that's the same reason. Like offensive linemen are paid less than quarterbacks. Like they're integral, but they're kind of meaningless without the other guys. You know, mm-hmm. um, and so. There's just no comparison there for me, and I think if I'm, if I'm Nylander, I'm not taking. You know, I might take a little less. Maybe it's a motivation for me to come, and maybe I love the guys that I've been playing with, and maybe I really want to bring a cup home to Toronto. But I'm not doing that at millions of dollars of a discount. Mm-hmm. I'm not even probably doing that at. Several hundred thousand dollars of a discount per year, which would end up being millions of dollars of a discount. I'm I'm maybe taking two or three hundred thousand less per year than I want. Maybe five, but like. Do you I, think I just, he's? Do you think he's going to be the least paid one of the three? Obviously, he's less than Matthews. So, well, that's that's why this is so vital, and I'm sure why the. The uh, Maple Leafs haven't budged, but I think the assumption is it'll be Nylander least, Marner in the middle, and Matthews in the f- in first mm-hmm. place. And it obviously will be Matthews in first place. But 
I'm not personally convinced Marner's better than Nightlander. I think they're pretty close. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I know the general consensus is Mar- Marner's better, but I think some of that is influenced by the fact that he's a Toronto kid playing for the Maple Leafs and, and you know, Kyle Dubas or whoever was oh so brilliant to draft him and all the semi-arrogant things they tend to say about those players. But, like, if, I, if I'm Nylander, I'm not saying, oh, give me six and a half so you can give Mitch eight so you can give Austin ten which is less than Austin's taking anyway, you know. I'm not I'm not I'm 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 not letting them take bring those other guys mm-hmm. to the table. Honestly, I was thinking too if they are like, "Hey, take a discount, you know, win a cup, use your head, all that jazz." Uh-huh. I'll say, "Okay, I'll take your discount." Three years, I'll give you three or four years of discount, right. and then I'm and then I'm out unless you know we've won a cup, and then you can pay me that much then. But I'm getting paid somewhere, so I'll take your little discount. But people are like, oh, he'll do seven years then. Like why? Why? I'm not. No, with the cap going up like it is, I'm not taking like a seven year. I mean, even eight year deal for I'm not even a six year deal for like whatever it's going to be six and a half. Yeah, exactly. No, no, no. That is like I'm losing money. Let's, I mean, let's just look at some comparable-ish contracts around the league. If Gennady Kuznetsov just got paid $10 million per season. Man, I forgot about that. Uh, or no, excuse me. His cap hit is 7.8. But his salary this year is, is $10 million. Gotcha. Um, Leon Dreisaitl's cap hit is 8.5. I that's pretty comparable to William Nyla as a player. I mean, that's probably what they're pointing at for sure. And they talked about on Thirty One Thoughts today how that was Shirelli's fault for letting the McDavid number leak before that mm-hmm. negotiation was done. Um, I'm trying to just look for kind of comparably aged players on here. Tarasenko's seven and a half. I would say you know, and that's what a three or four year old deal at this point. Mm-hmm. I can't see him. If he takes less than seven on more than four years, I think he's crazy. And I know, you know, I know everyone in Toronto is saying, well, he's not a $7 million a year player, but he is, and he certainly will be in a few years if the cap's increasing and he is improving. Mm-hmm. And he's not, I just, he's not going to sign an eight year deal just to help help the city of Toronto out. For one thing, he's a Swede. He doesn't. Especially yeah. give a darn that Toronto has never won a cup. He wasn't you know, that, sleeping in Toronto Maple right. Leafs bed sheets yeah. and PJs. I, just, like, I don't know. It's it's upsetting to me because I think there is a little arrogance amongst Canadian fans in general and Maple Leafs fans in particular of like, oh, it's his. You know, it's our God given right to have this group of people win us a cup, and it's like. Mm-hmm. You guys are the Blues. I'm sorry. You have a little more history behind you, mm-hmm. but in the last 50 years, we're the same franchise. And arguably, the Blues have had more oh, success. Yeah. Not even arguably. They just have They're the better team. And, and you're walking around like you run this place because even though your biggest problems were goaltending and defense last year, you signed another big forward. Like, I don't know. I liked I liked them for a little while there when they were kind of the up and comers, but now they're still up and coming. But they've pretty much anointed themselves the next Cup right. winner. And anyone who does it before them, it's kind of like, oh, well, that like, was kind of unfortunate. Nothing indicates to me that that team has moved back, moved past 
three or four other teams in the East alone. Mm. You know, okay. I, I'm not putting them right ahead of the Capitals or the Penguins, and I'm certainly not doing them ahead of the uh, Lightning, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's just the East, where, to me, a conference that doesn't have three of the four strongest teams in hockey right now. So I just think, I hope your offense is so high-powered that you can just outscore the other team nonstop, because I just don't think Freddie Anderson being your only, pretty much your only right. defense back there is enough, because your top six is... Week. We'll talk about goalies in a bit, but like Freddie Anderson's a pretty good goalie, but he started like sixty six games last year, mm-hmm. and in the playoffs he just collapsed. I mean, he was terrible. He had like a sub nine save percentage and like a three and a half goals against average. It you know you can't nobody can start sixty games in today's NHL and then have a playoff run in him. That's impossible, mm-hmm. and the, he's gonna do it again this year because. His backup options are Curtis McElhaney, Garrett Sparks, and Calvin Pickard. And none of those guys are starting 30, <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, the other thing we discussed a little bit as regards Nylander is the possibility of a an offer sheet, um, which for you know anyone who doesn't know, because it hasn't happened in so long, uh, restricted free agents are called that because other teams can theoretically negotiate with them. Um, they can give them what's called an offer sheet, and if the player signs it, there are predetermined values for each like range of, of price for the contract. And so um, if a player signs it, the team that owns their rights has the right to match it, and if they don't match it, then the other team signs him and surrenders, picks his compensation. Mm-hmm. So for a player like Nylander, we looked it up earlier, some, it was, you know, it's weirdly specific, but something like between 7 and $8.15 million, somewhere in that range, is a first-round pick, a second, and a third-round pick, which is a big price, mm-hmm. but not something you wouldn't give up for a signed William Nylander yeah. right now. Like, I'm, imagine if the if the if the Knights had traded for him, they would have given up Kurt Suzuki or Kurt Suzuki. Yeah, is it Nick? Nick Suzuki. Suzuki. Kurt Suzuki. He's a catcher in baseball. Nick Suzuki <laughs> and a second, third round pick, or the time. I mean, they gave it up for Thomas Tatar, so it's mm-hmm. not inconceivable. I mean, that was a bad trade, but it's not inconceivable that a team would give this up. I think um, the big deal too of those picks is they have to be your picks, right? They which can't is be the another team's NHL, picks, but whatever. Um, so there is an unspoken, not entirely unspoken, but there's kind of like a gentleman's agreement amongst general managers that nobody signs offer sheets because it creates havoc. I mean, it, it it's what ultimately forced Ryan O'Reilly out of. Colorado is that the Flames ultimately offer sheeted him when it got to the regular season. And so it creates havoc. You're forced to either agree to higher terms than you wanted to with a guy or give him up. Yeah, and you get some compensation, but usually if it's, you know, especially if it's during the season, it changes your plans. Yeah, that first round pick's not scoring goals for you. Yeah, exactly. And so it's, you know, it's a gentleman's agreement. We don't do this to each other. But it, it does happen once in a great while. And to me, I feel like it should be a gentleman's agreement until, like, August. Mm-hmm. But if you're starting to get to the regular season and a guy isn't signed, that's, 
it's on you to keep your house in order a little bit. And if I'm another team, I'm I'm looking and I'm calling his representation. Oh, and, you got to try. And I was just sort of throwing this out to you off the cuff today. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned that you read an article that said some teams were actually looking into it. Yeah. According to who was it? Oh, uh, it was uh, Burke and Friedman on 590 The Fan up in Toronto. Ooh, Elliot Friedman. Yeah. A, a real <laughs> <Not> source. <Tom> <laughs> <Friedman>. <laughs> um, I think they mentioned, they kind of alluded that Colorado they thought would be a big player and that they've heard might be and talking. That to me is a perfect fit. Oh, yeah. They need somebody they to need more push forwards. people down that lineup. And. They can surrender their own first-round pick and will still have a preposterously valuable first-round pick. So when you said that, that made perfect sense to me. The other one was supposedly the Flyers. Was Burke just said that the Flyers tend to be in on a lot of young forwards. Which is believable because they've had a couple extra first-round picks in the last Mm -hmm. few years. Did the Flyers not also try to offer sheet uh, Shea Weber a long time ago? They might have, I believe they did. And they're loaded with cap space right now. And they have Wayne Simmons coming off the books, who it seems like they don't plan to re-sign. I would love an offer sheet. I think they used to be dumb more because the NHL, as much as we make fun of it being a garbage league and just like a garage league, it definitely tries to pass itself off with a lot of prestige, and it, it has it now. Back in the day, I mean, they practically played in giant garages. These uh-huh. people, Some of these uh, GMs were definitely like, ex-mob boss looking people are just like yeah i'll take that guy i don't give a crap like whatever screw it that's what i don't get it's like what interesting stuff happened get rid of these gritty happens give me a give me an offer sheet your latera gritty and an islander offer sheet all in the same week make it happen (laughs) you could be in the news multiple times nhl yeah for great things i mean Scary things, but great, <laughs> but great things. I don't know, by the way, why my cold returns just when I'm in this room. But he's awful. allergic to the truth. Um, but yeah, like especially if I'm an Eastern Conference team, mm-hmm. I'm gonna be talking to him because on the one hand, worst whichever way you want to look at it, worst case scenario, maybe depending on how you look at it, is. You get William Nylander and only have to surrender some decent picks. Yeah. Best, arguably best case scenario, or vice versa, however you want to look at it, you screw the <coughs> Maple Leafs into signing him for way more than they want so that they then can't build a team around this young core that they have and they have to make hard decisions in the future. And I that would have tremendous appeal to me. If you're in their division, which I don't really think there's a team in their division that necessarily could, but why not? Because you're not going to trade with them anyways. But yeah, and the Flyers are perfect too because it's like they're not probably going to trade with Toronto. Mm-hmm. And they want to be one of those upper echelon teams in the in the East. you know. And they don't have the goaltending right now, but they've got Carter Hart coming up. And beyond that, they're stacked. I mean, their defensive core is really good. It may not mm-hmm. have your iconic sort of, you know, defensive defenseman first-pairing guy, but beyond that, it's pretty solid. And their forward group is loaded, and they've got tons of cap space somehow, which (laughs) doesn't really make sense to me. (laughs) But, you know, if I'm them, I'm looking into it. They're a team that also makes perfect sense to me, 
especially because they've got Frost and uh, the other guy they got from us and mm-hmm. their own first round pick from this year. I mean, they're doing they're in a perfect position to. If I'm a team that has a decently loaded farm system and cap space right now, I'm talking about it. And I'm not waiting much longer to let the Maple Leafs sort this out because, you know, another another aspect of it, and we can make <laughs> jokes if we want to, but like some GM is old and crusty and pissed off that Kyle Dubas has a oh, job. Oh, yeah, league. and probably more than oh, one a lot or of two. them, I'm sure. And so throw some, you know, throw throw a trick into his path i don't know what i'm saying but like <laughs> like <laughs> screw up his little we can and we will scenario i don't know it just seems perfect to me it would be a lot of fun i i'm on jeff merrick's side on 31 thoughts of i enjoy chaos in this league it's chaos on the ice let's see some chaos and how they deal with players it'd be interesting to watch that team that has been on this fast but kind of slow maybe predictable rise what these young players would have to scramble for something and honestly they're when they say they're going to keep all these players together they're not keeping them together for long there's just no way they can't keep them together beyond seven or eight years from now for sure and Tavares will have retired by that point so i mean, not retired by that point but he'll be pretty old and decrepit (laughs) He's dying. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we have the exactly. inside track. Uh, I did want to mention, and we will do the ceremonial horn toot for me mentioning something I wrote. Oh, you gotta. But I did want to mention that uh, I did. I, I wrote an article ranking the league's goaltenders. I'm already rethinking some of the things. <laughs> He's already deleted it. But you I can't a, find it online. I put a lot of work into it. We tweeted out the link. It's available on thehockeywriters.com. Did you want to talk about goalies more, or would you just like to move on? What, what are some highlights? Where are some... some, And then we'll just go straight into the whole thing. Read it verbatim <laughs> to me. I haven't read it yet. Um, I mean, I think what's interesting is this league... For one thing, like the number of truly bad goalies in this league are very few. Yeah, no one's awful, and I mean it makes like, sense. Like Darling was awful last year, mm. but even like Jacob Markstrom, who I put way low on there, is like fine enough. So you, Vancouver Canucks, yeah. he wears what I'm going to say is the creepiest mask. Really, it's a it's a painted on mask because the outer rim is like someone's face. He's painted like. You know how someone can get a tattoo of their face on their face? Uh-huh. It's kind of like that. There's a mask on his mask, but it's just small enough on the mask that you can see, like, cartoon ears and stuff on the side. So it kind of looks like he's wearing someone's face. Okay, I'm I'll leave it, it for, for the listeners to look at. Oh, up. God. Why? To get into people's heads? I don't know. Oh, so he was trying to do, like, the design so he could have, like, the old-school-looking mask? I guess. But that's awful. That's no good at all. I mean, it's neat. It's well done, but it scares the crap out of me. Yeah, that's creepy as heck. It's gritty when he first came out, and it's <laughs> and never it's ascended never to new gritty. gritty. <laughs> <laughs> you know when you get so angry that, that you ascend to... gritty. This is middle <laughs> gritty. <laughs> when you ascend to, like, gritty 2, then you get to Super Saiyan 3 gritty, exactly. and more Dragon, whatever. I'm dropping the I Dragon Ball it. Z references. And you, then you do a fusion dance with Yuppie of the Montreal Canadiens, mm-hmm. and you become fused 
I it would just be U P U D or grit B, <laughs> I guess. Okay, we're well, moving got on. Shake and move. Uh, the other thing, I, I, there are there are a lot of really good young goalies in this league, but the other thing I really realized is, oh my god, goalies by and large are so much older than you. Oh think. yeah. Because they get here so late. One of the things we talked about a little by text message was Jimmy Howard was screwed out of the Vesna <laughs> tr- or out of the Calder Trophy. He came up and he had a season where he had like a nine thirty save percentage and like a you know two forty goals against average somewhere in there, starting sixty games as a rookie. And for some reason, they gave the Calder Trophy to Tyler Myers of the then of the Winnipeg Jets, I think, or Buffalo Sabres. Then of the Buffalo Sabres, now of the Winnipeg Jets. And Howard was like 25 at the time, and Myers was 19. And mm-hmm. Howard is now 34. And I still think of Howard as like not a young goalie, but like a. A prime, yeah, in his prime, you know? yeah. I mean, his prime is kind of disappointing, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Corey Schneider is like 32. You know, Cam Talbot's in, at 30 now. There's not a one of these guys unless you know they've started being a goalie in the past two or three years mm-hmm. or being an NHL goalie. Unless you know that, they're probably pushing, if not already, 30. <laughs> I was like, Matt Murray is an outlier by yeah. far. Yeah, the other ones are like Hellebuck and Vasilevsky. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, older by and large than you think. Speaking of Matt Murray, he was terrible last year. Yeah, he was not great. He was super bad. And so I put him <laughs> very low on this list, which I know I will get heat for if people care to comment. But I put him 21st, and I wanted to put him lower because he was that bad. And I was, I mean, I say in the article, <coughs> it's based primarily off last year's numbers, I moved him higher than I would have because of who he is. But, man, he was bad. He had a negative 8.11 goals saved above average and a .422 quality start percentage, which are the metrics I leaned heavily on and both mean you're bad. Like 53, (laughs) I think it's considered okay for a quality start percentage. Um, He was not good. And then, mo- I mean, I just think there are a couple goalies who are young and going to be here for a long time, and it's gross. <laughs> and they're Connor Hellebuck and they're Andre Vasilevsky. John Gibson's really good, too. There are a couple of gems I found in here. And Auntie Ranta, people sleeping on him, but he's the dopest. I love him. I love him so much. And you drafted him last mm-hmm. night in our fantasy league, which, you know, I resent. <laughs> but we'll get through it. Uh, he is not Ranta, smiling. Despite playing for the um, Desert Dogs, yes. Beside, despite playing for the Coyotes, he quality started, which I think the the ranking is the number of times, anytime your save percentage for the game was higher than the league's save percentage on average for the season. Okay, considered a quality start. And I like it. He did that. 66% of the time. So almost two of every three starts he made were that, quality. That almost lines up with, like, literally 
when the coyotes were bad, just awful for a third, and then they were pretty good for two thirds. Uh Yeah, that's pretty fair for sure. Um, But yeah, I mean, I I I enjoyed writing it, but it was labor intensive. So if you get a chance to look at it, enjoy. He's the goalie expert. Yell at me now with your comments. Yeah, just tear him a new one. He put Jake Allen number one. Exactly. I put him all the way at the top. No, I did put Pecorini number one, which I'm already regretting. But he did win the Vesna last year, and he was really good. And he's had a long career, so screw I, it. I'm glad he got the Vesna. I mean, he is a good goalie, but I kind of enjoyed it, ironically, because the last game or two, no, every other game, and then two games in a row, or something like that, he looked awful in the playoffs. Yeah, it was true. like great Pecorine, terrible Pecorine, great Pecorine. I'm like, ooh, yikes! This is inconsistency at its best. And yeah. then he won the Vesna. I was like, interesting, very interesting. Well, it's a regular season award. Let's be clear, but that is true. And he wouldn't have deserved it otherwise. <laughs> but he won it, and that's what's what. Robert Bortuzzo isn't winning anything. He's winning a suspension from the NHL based on his elbow on Michael Kempney last night. Was it last night? Two nights ago. Mm-hmm. Earlier this week. <laughs> um, he definitely elbowed him. Kempney was hurt, which I'm sorry about. Former Blackhawk. He got suspended for the rest of the preseason and one regular season game. And while I get that... It's technically like three less games than the Domi suspension. Mm-hmm. It's one more game that you're actually getting paid for. That's true. And so it's a worse suspension to me. And I know the NHL would say, no, it's half as bad. <laughs> but it's not. <laughs> I like that. Get. I like to think that's a Gary Batman. <laughs> It's half as bad. <laughs> Gary, <laughs> what the fuck? This is how I've always talked. Um, I don't know. I mean, it was. A, I'm not trying to let Bortuzzo off the hook. It was a dirty hit. Yeah. I'm not. I don't think he was head hunting or anything. It was a bad hit. It happens. He deserved a suspension. But the fact it just kind of reinforces that oh, Max Domi was suspended for the whole preseason. <laughs> um, was that also Gary Batman? Oh yeah, <laughs> that's my Gary Batman impression. Oh, since I can't do a small New York man. Very well. Oh, Alexander Ovechkin, <laughs> come get your cup. Oh, you shouldn't swear, young sir. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we've got it. We've nailed it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's not big deal. Obviously, we can, no offense, survive a one-game Robert Bortuzzo suspension. Can we? And <laughs> this team? Well, let's discuss that. Uh, but it was just a little funny. Did you see the hit at all or the video? I did not. Well, you're unprepared for this podcast. As always. Get out, <laughs> you vulgar lush. All right, let's move on. <laughs> this fat tire is almost done. It's getting a little dry. Bone dry. He's drinking a fat tire, and he's wearing a t-shirt that bears the emblem of the St. Louis flag, but instead of the arch or whatever the, or whatever usually goes in that yellow circle. The fleur-de-lis. The fleur-de-lis, thank you. It has a hot a hopped, a hops, a barley, whatever. It's a beer thing. You obviously don't drink. I don't drink enough, apparently, to get through this podcast. 
Let's move into our Blues season preview. We didn't even take a full hour on the stuff that wasn't our topic for the night, so go us. I was like, that's pretty good. Um, despite the fact that the season is one week away, we are still in middle of the off-season form. <laughs> well, we got a we whole week. best <laughs> for you listeners. Yeah, we got a whole week to get back to whatever the hell it was we were doing <laughs> a year ago. People aren't going to be prepared. Like, one... An hour and seven minutes? What is this? Um, let's talk about the Blues. Do you want to just talk through the roster to start, or do you want to say general Anything. stuff? Anything. Well, let's talk about the offseason a little bit. Just kind of recapping for people. We all know what happened. Continue. <sighs> but maybe someone this guy, doesn't. Mr. Peter. <laughs> you should support your partner better. Thanks, Gary. I appreciate your input. Um, the Blues <laughs> missed the playoffs last year by one Boo. point. They didn't, let's be real and say they didn't deserve to miss the playoffs by only one point. No, yeah, it's the culmination of I they missed people, by just a point, but they were, if they're missing by a point, bad team, bad. It shows how insanely good our October was. Oh, yeah, that that was able to somehow keep us afloat into April. And we had, like, that one hot streak in, like, February, March, right after we traded Stasny. So right at the beginning of March, we went, like, 6-0 or whatever. Dumpster fire where we went, like, 0-7-1. Yeah, right. We counteracted that, so we were 500 for the period. (laughs) All right. But, like... People, I think, are like, I can't believe this team missed the playoffs last year. And it's like, we talked about it last week, but like, I can. I can't believe yeah. they didn't get like a first overall pick. But <laughs> no. Um, yeah, I just, so we weren't good last year. And it was largely because we didn't have any forward depth. And we all know the story of free agent day. We signed David Perron and we signed Tyler Bozak. And it's like, Great. Golf, freaking <laughs> golf clap for you, Doug Armstrong. <laughs> and then the news breaks over the wires that we traded for Ryan O'Reilly. Not only did we get him, but we didn't give up Robert Thomas and, Jordan, and or Jordan Cairo. And, in, at least as Blues fans saw it, we got rid of Patrick Bergwin and Vladimir Savoke in the deal. And Ryan O'Reilly is the biggest player we acquired over the summer. We also added Chad Johnson as a backup goaltender and Pat Maroon as a hometown hero. That will be his official position. (laughs) We will have centers, right wings, left wings, defensemen, goaltenders, and hometown heroes. (laughs) Um, (laughs) My hometown hero is Tyler Bozak. (laughs) He's not from this hometown. But he's someone's hometown here. Yeah. I'm sure a city in Ontario, 100%. Exactly. There's no chance he's not from that or Alberta, one or the other. Um, but in any case, it was a huge offseason for the Blues. Yeah. We, didn't, we didn't add a superstar. We didn't get Tavares like it was talked about. Us pursuing him. Forgive me for Queenxing again. But <laughs> we, uh, it was a big offseason. Then on top of everything else... We have the be- most exciting group of prospects easily since Schwartz and Tarasenko were coming up. Mm-hmm. 
in terms of you know in and and beyond that if you look deeper in the system i'd say we got it's pretty wide it's almost closer to when we had the Peron and oshi and bacchus era where it was just a bunch of people coming up mm-hmm. except the team is much better than we were then so mm-hmm. that's good we've got um obviously robert thomas and jordan Kyrou we'll talk about tonight uh sammy boy will probably touch on billy huso the goaltender jake wallman uh, Scott Perunovic, I think, is a guy people are overlooking a lot because he hasn't been around much. He missed a lot of the rookie camp and and wasn't at Traverse City because he's already in college and all that. So I think we have kind of overlooked him. But mm-hmm. he's, I think, a, a really NHL-ready defenseman, and he might never be a first-pairing guy, but he can be that kind of you can push for a smaller Jared Spurgeon, Matt Dumba type. Um Puck moving, a modern defenseman, you know, type of thing. Um, Dominic Bach wouldn't wouldn't dare overlook him. Quim Costin. I mean, I name I just named like seven or eight prospects and hadn't even gotten to Quim Costin, Eric Foley, Nolan Stevens, Alexei Torchenko. We did our prospect <laughs> pyramid. You've you seen the back. pyramid. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's an exciting time to be a Blues fan. More so, I mean, as much as we've been a, a generally good team over the last few years, I'm way more excited for this season than I have for any have been for any in recent memory because there's more new stuff. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just like a kid on Christmas. It's like too many toys to play with. You, there's more stuff. Like even when we've been good in years past, it's just been tweaks and changes. But this feels more like, and granted it didn't work out, but this feels more like when we got Ryan Miller, where it was like, oh my God, this thing finally happened. Now Mm -hmm. we're going to be unstoppable. You know, like this is that genuine excitement. And I think today it sunk into me as I was driving to work and like, hey, we get to talk about the Blues tonight because you and I (coughs) have been doing so much around the league and writing for, like, the the hockey writers lately, I've been doing a lot of more, like, league-wide stuff. So it's kind of, I'm, I'm excited to just talk blues hockey yeah. now. So what do you think about the offseason and about kind of your anticipation for the season before we jump right in? I think this offseason, more than any, we actually had, had a or gained a direction for this team. Mm-hmm. I think not only do we have new players and new young players coming up, but I think there seems to be a direction in which we're trying to head which at least seems for the younger side both younger and faster but also have guys that complement each other Mm -hmm. i think we actually picked up guys that fill a role that we needed on this team i think of pat maroon as someone that we needed because we needed a big body to be in front of the net or be able to create space for other line mates i mean you can't sleep on vladimir tarasenko yeah petite either by the way no yeah you can't sleep on tarasenko but with Maroon on his line, he's a pretty good he's a pretty good playmaker for a big guy. Between him and O'Reilly, I don't think you can have two guys on Tarasenko and just leave those guys unchecked. Yeah. I think that, that helps. That to me is a really dangerous potential line because they complement each other so well. Yeah. They're three very different styles, but like each of them brings a unique threat and it'll be hard for any one line to match up against mm-hmm. all three of those, you know. I think O'Reilly, as much as it sounds like a, I don't know, backhanded compliment, I mean it as like just a real comparison. I think it's just a much better Paul Stasny. Uh-huh. I think he's just a better, younger Paul Stasny in like every facet. Great defensively, 
amazing face-off player, like number one in the league last year as far as guys that took face-offs regularly. In history. Yeah. He won more face-offs last year than any player in history. Or like 60% on in the dot. Season. 60%, yeah. that's nuts. Which for, doesn't sound that dominant, but it's insane. Yeah, for it's record. for people that have like a 52%, I'm like, that's pretty darn good. Yeah, like exactly. Like 60%. Anything over 50 is... It sounds just like, oh, you win slightly more yeah. than you lose, but it's pretty good. I think that'll help a lot. Bozak again. I, I'm i hitching my horse, my wagon. Your horseman. My horseman to, to Bozak. <laughs> to Bozak horseman. Yeah, I... I don't know why. Something about him makes me like, I'm rooting for this guy. And I think he brings something that makes our third line a little more dangerous. Mm-hmm. I've watched him a few times in scrimmages and like practices, and he's got... More skill than you would think. I think when he was behind guys like Matthews and Marner and Nylander, he just kind of gets lost back there. Yeah. And which is fine. That's mm-hmm. kind of how their that team was sense. built. But it's like, and not to say he's going to have a huge role in this team either, but I think he makes a third line with him and Steen, who now have supposedly some chemistry between each other, dangerous. A dangerous third line versus just those bodies. We touched on it last week, but like, I think. It's not going to be as noticeable, but I think as much as Bozak and Perron have been overlooked, those are the guys that are actually making this team better in a weird way. Because, like, O'Reilly is making the team much better, and Maroon is. But, like, we had a great first line last year. What sucked was our depth. Mm -hmm. Now Now we've got guys who could be... Second liners, a lot of places, sprinkled all around our top nine. And we've got a couple of, like, legit first-line guys. I mean, we've got, I would say, four guys right now that are for sure first-liners on most teams mm-hmm. in Shannon Schwartz and O'Reilly and Tarasenko. So, like, as as much as O'Reilly's, like, the highlight, Maroon's, like, the fun story, and Thomas and Kyrie are, like, the exciting players... I think it'll be Bozak and Perron who are, like, making a hugely noticeable difference because instead of having, you know, I don't even know who was on our third line last year. <laughs> we talked about, like, Sunquist and, and you know, or even Bergwin and Brodziak and Saboka. Like, instead of having those guys not pulling their weight last year, I, you know, I think we're a little unfairly hard on those guys, but they weren't great. We're going to have guys, and no, Perron's not going to score 70 points again this year or whatever he had, but like, if he gets 50 and mm-hmm. he's killing penalties and he's playing some on the power play and he's antagonizing the other team, Bozak's another guy is really good at face-offs. Mm-hmm. I just think those guys are going to make a big impact, and it's not going to be the one we're celebrating or anticipating the most. Yeah, it's the little things but with like those guys. Most most teams, you know, and I was just singing their praises, but like most teams have a top line, whether it matches up well against O'Reilly, Maroon, and Tarasenko, like they have good guys on their top line too. Not every team has a third line as good as we're going to have. Mm-hmm. Most teams don't, I would say, and so that's kind of where like the matchup advantage pays off. I'm sorry, I kind of took over what you were no, saying. No, there, it made me think, too, with guys like Perron, and, I mean, they're not going to be, like, sent down to the HL. I mean, they pretty much can't. But, I mean, there's they have to compete. They have to be good because there's young guys that are chomping at the bit to get in the lineup. You've got Thomas and Cairo and Blay at this point that are all trying to get there. And you've got sort of – we had our swirl of bodies last year that we pretty much – 
ran through the ringer on the third and fourth line, and now it's pretty much been pushed down to like two spots on the fourth line between Sunquist, Barbashev, uh, Samford, Thomas, Kairou, to a certain extent, if they go with that new look fourth line, uh, Thorburn. There's like, whether or not you think any of these guys, you know, Yaskin deserve this spot, there's a lot of them trying to get those few spots. Absolutely. So if you're a guy that's not pulling his weight, they got plenty of people they can throw in there. And unlike last year where it's like, well, don't throw Sunquist in there. I don't think he's going to do, you know, I don't think he's going to grab the bull by the horns and, you know, take over that spot. <laughs> right. But I think some of these guys have the potential to do that. So they, I think it makes guys like Sunquist and Barbashev better because they know they got to be looking over their shoulder because any moment they could just lose their job and be in San Antonio. Right. And, like, I think that's another good point, too, because, like, we were, as much as we're hard on Bergwin and Saboka, like, what was their motivation to break their backs and work mm-hmm. as hard as they could last year? And I know... The retort to that is they should just work hard regardless. And yes, they should. They're paid professional athletes, but they're also human beings. They were both on, you know, I mean, I think Sabokas is up after this year, but they were both contracted beyond that year. Bergwin's on his last juicy contract. Their spots were a thousand percent secure. This mm-hmm. team had no justification to ever remove them from the lineup if they were healthy. So what, and they weren't, by, you know, by the flip side, they weren't, like, going to push up the lineup into, like, top six minutes. So what motivation did they really have? And that's not really a defense of them, but, like, these guys are going to be so hungry this year. I mean, to to add to what you said, just the overall feeling about the team has Mm. to be so different. Because it's like, okay, new, like, new feel, new jerseys, which... Is shouldn't matter, but it does. Renovate a stadium, new name, like everything about this team has a new and fresh feeling, and I think it's going to help. I mean, I don't. We'll talk about it towards the end. I don't think we're the cream of our even division or conference, but I think we're on the next tier, mm-hmm. right below the elite teams, and I think we're we could be towards the top of it depending on goaltending, which we'll yeah. talk about. And when you talk about, you know, the end goal is winning the cup, and if we're going to be as optimistic as possible, like, the cream doesn't always win the cup. That's if true. the cream won the cup every year, this would, last year wouldn't have been Washington's first Golden cup. The Vegas Knights made it to the, yeah, made it to the Stanley Cup Finals, and the Washington Capitals won it in a conference that has the Penguins, the Sabres, or the Sabres, the Bruins, <laughs> the... Uh, Maple Leafs yeah. and the Lightning. Like, I don't think the Capitals were better than any of those teams, and they got past all of them, beating several of them mm-hmm. to get to a Stanley Cup where the Golden Knights had gotten past <laughs> the the Predators and the Jets and the Ducks. And who, did they face the Sharks in the second round? Yeah. Oh, my God. That team beat the Ducks, Sharks, and Jets. Oh, my God. I know. That's kind of the, the further away you're, you're removed from it, the more unbelievable <laughs> right. it is. You're like, no way. You think it would get more believable. Like, okay, yeah. But yeah. now it's like, oh, no. Why? I think, too, um, it's one of those things where they always talk about just make the dance, just get in the playoffs, and anything can happen. But you want to stack the deck, the cards in your favor. I think the Blues last year, if they beat the Avalanche and they make it, we all know they're just getting bounced by Nashville. You know, there's no two ways about it. But this is the sort of team where, like you said, it's not the cream of the crop, but you get into the playoffs. And 
I'm willing to believe that it's more of a flip of a coin for, you know, how far the Blues go. Not the best team, but a good enough team that they, I think they can do a sort of, you know, Vegas run necessarily. Like, yeah, yeah. this team could beat some of these other ones depending on well, the circumstances. And the, the other big thing about it, you know, I don't, we'll talk, we should talk about coaching. Make a mental note. We'll talk about coaching towards the end. But, like, I'm not the world's biggest believer in Mike Yo. I'm not a Mike Yo hater. But, like, when it was the Hitchcock era and the Bacchus era, you knew what the playoff feeling was. I mean, there was just a just a oh. kind of a stench. Yeah. You just knew. I mean, you just knew. And, and to be fair, like, I was looking. Part of that article I wrote was I, I was looking at the year quick won the Conn Smythe. He was a god. I mean, he was literally a god. It was like a nine fifty save. That's <laughs> ridiculous. Like in the playoffs, thirty four goals. I mean, it was mm-hmm. unbelievable. And they won in twenty games. They played twenty games. They had four losses the whole playoffs. So like, <laughs> that was just unfortunate. <laughs> you ran up against a god in net, and you gave him one of the better fights. Mm-hmm. Or was that the year we got swept? We that, got we got swept, but I always thought the Blues looked really yeah, good, like yeah. generally in those games. And and then you face them again the next year, and it's a six game series. So like we knew what the feeling was. We have no idea what this team will look like in the playoffs. That's what's I because think the most exciting. Because it's a totally exciting, yeah. new team. I mean, we know a little. For one thing, their best run was three years ago. It's a totally different oh, team yeah. from then. Their run two years ago wasn't that bad, considering they really weren't that good a team. They had no business beating the Minnesota Wild that year, and you know we don't we don't talk about this much because it will <laughs> upset the Hive people. But Jake Allen <laughs> carried that team. Oh yeah, they were only in it because of Jake Allen exclusively, and only and he similarly like. His numbers that year, I'll look them up before we're done. Yeah. Just absurd. Our I mean. offense was so bad in that series that the game, the series winning goal was Magnus PRV going like, I guess I have to score <laughs> because someone has to. Someone must score a goal and it shall be me. We, he didn't believe it. None of us believed it. Mark Farrow, I can't believe it. The sponsors didn't believe it. The sponsors, no way. Jake Allen, in 11 games this year, which includes all the losses to the Predators, in that playoffs had a 935 save percentage and a 196 goals against average. Pretty damn good. 727 quality start percentage. And through his career in the playoffs, he has a 922 and a 210. And a 579 quality start percentage. So he's been a fine playoff goalie. Let's let's move on. I do want to look at those quick numbers. Okay. But let's move on then to actually talking about the the team player by player. We'll talk about basically everyone who's still in camp. Mm-hmm. Anyone we think deserves a mention beyond that. We'll d- touch on some prospects. Um, quick, that year he won the Conn Smythe. 16 wins, a 946 save percentage, <laughs> and a 141 goals against average. Oh, my he lord. He had a 13 GSAA, which is an insane number for a full regular season. He did it in 20 games. I mean, it's just inconceivable. Um, But yeah, moving on to our team. Let's talk about, first, in the alphabet... First in amongst candidate candidates to be on the fourth line alphabetically, 
It's Ivan Barbashev. This is a player I still kind of like. Me too. I thought maybe he had a little higher ceiling, but I think he's the kind of guy that could still be a decent... (laughs) I'm going to use a term that's politely never been used in the NHL. Bottom nine contributor. (laughs) I don't think he's really going to ever be a second line guy, but he's shown flashes in his career. And I certainly think he could be your bottom six kind of Mm -hmm. scoring threat who's defensively responsible. What do you think about Ivan Barbashev? I I like him a lot still. I mean, there's a lot to point to. You could point to for me, and I'm like, yeah, you're right. He hasn't done all that well. I mean, last year wasn't the best year. He had a pretty good, I guess, rookie year with us when he got called up eventually for like the last, uh, I don't know, a couple of games or whatever it was, the last uh, 30 games. Mm-hmm. It was five goals, seven assists, 12 points in 30 games. That was pretty good. And I think he had looked good in the playoffs when we played Nashville and uh, or when we played Minnesota and a little bit of Nashville. So I thought he was going to take the next step last year. And he ended up kind of falling backwards. In 53 games, he had seven goals, six assists, and 13 points. So not fantastic. And you know it's not great when they're talking about another player. When Jeremy Rutherford asked Doug Armstrong, how he thinks Vince Dunn is going to do this year, what he expects from Vince Dunn, who's not Ivan Barbashev. And uh, Armstrong says to Jeremy Rutherford, with Dunn, we warned him, don't be this year's Ivan Barbashev. Oh, no! He said that? Yes. That's cruel. <laughs> That's about as mean a thing as I've ever heard Doug Armstrong that say. That is so awful. He, so... The team is well aware that Ivan Barbashev walked in the camp. That's got to light a fire yeah, under him, though. Last year, and just sort of took advantage of thinking, I made the team at the end of last year, played pretty good. I'm on the team now. And he pretty, I mean, he wasn't wrong. He was <laughs> on the team for the majority of the year, but I can't say I ever really noticed him that much. So one of the things that generally frustrated me about last year, mm-hmm. and I know you can't just, commit to a lineup and you've got we were just talking about people need to feel like they are earning their spot but i felt like mike yo had a real quick trigger finger mm-hmm. and i think tage thompson's the person that affected the most because it felt like every time tage thompson got a little head of steam going he'd have one bad game or even one bad play and yo would pull him out for three or four games. Well, did he not criticize him at least once or twice too? Like openly? Oh, openly, yeah. yeah. And so like, it, you know, we, we fans got a little hot under the collar with about the comments Thompson made in his introductory press conference, but I kind of get it. I mean, he got jerked around last year mm-hmm. and, it, and it was, you know, none of the players really earned 70 games. But a lot of them had 53, and they mm-hmm. were all in starts and stops. And so it's hard to know. Like, I don't feel like, I, I don't feel like Ivan Barbashev earned a much better shot than, last, than he got last year. But I also think it's kind of hard to know who he is now. Yeah, I can see and all... And I don't want to, sorry, I don't want to write him off as like, oh, he sucks now, he's no good. He's still only 22. No, I mean, if I was a betting man, I'd say I think he's a fixture on this fourth line for the vast majority of the year, or at very least a fixture on this team. Mm -hmm. I don't think he's necessarily going to be one of the guys that rotates in and out. Maybe a little bit. Maybe he looks tired and, you know, it's back-to-back sort of games on a weekend or something. But I think he's a good center. He's a good playmaking center. I think you can 
play him up the lineup a little bit. I don't know if he's gotten better defensively, but I think a, I don't know, if we didn't have rookies on this team that are really pushing for spots, I would say you'd have a Sashnikov, Barbashev, um, Yaskin fourth mm-hmm. line. And I would think, other than being young, pretty good. I'd say one that actually has some offensive upside. Yeah, Barbashev, not to interrupt you, but we've got to remember he was a high, high second round pick. Mm-hmm. Was that a pick we got in the Perron trade? Yes. It okay. Was. So 2014, which is a while ago now, but I mean, he's still really young. I, I don't think the book is at all closed on him. And he's not ever, you know, because of the season he had last year, he's not ever looked at as part of our young core. Mm-hmm. But I think he's got a lot to offer still. People did. It seemed like the first season he was here, he was a rookie and he was going to be part of the core. And then last year, didn't play as well, and you're right. I think even I sort of mentally checked out. I was like, okay, he's not, you know, he's just an extra cog here. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's definitely not a big enough uh, sample size to necessarily write him off. I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do. Um, I think he can move up the lineup if injuries occur, but you never know. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, you want to move on then to Sammy Blay? Oh, I do. Because <laughs> you're pumped up about the French Assassin. Yeah. Which is what I just named him on the spot. <laughs> That's what everyone's calling him. Um, I think Sammy Blay. See, Ivan Barbashev, by the way, excuse me, didn't make our Corey Promen top 10 under 23 list. Oh, he did. It's Slim Pickens at the bottom <laughs> there. But no, I mean, it's Billy Huso, Barbashev, and Scott Perunovich. So I like all of those guys. You hey, heard it go. here first, unless, unless you read it. Unless you already read, <laughs> read it, it on there. Then, yeah. Well, you still heard it here first. Whatever. Um, <laughs> Sammy Blay, my hot take is I think he's making, the, if there's an open spot, if Fabry's spot is the only open spot on this team from injury or what have you, I think Sammy Blay has that spot over Cairo. Maybe not Thomas just because of... Thomas will be on the team what because they, he has yeah. to be. Yeah, to because of his whole junior debacle. Well, not his. Anyone's junior <laughs> debacle in this case, but his in particular. Yeah, he needs to get back to good and play in the NHL. <laughs> yeah. Sammy Blay, we actually were sort of talking about him like this last year at this time. Mm-hmm. He had a pretty good preseason and uh, scrimmages and practices. People saw him and thought he looked really good. And he played a few games here uh, with the Blues. I think he played eleven games, tallied, tallied one goal, two assists. But I think he was injured. Twice in like first games, he was called up. Once was a concussion. I'm, I'm the second one might have also been a concussion. He was sort of up in the lineup, then injured, then out of the lineup, and then when he was you know back to being healthy, he was back down the AHL, and it kind of did that two or three times. Mm-hmm. He also had a few problems with uh, I think they were talking about just conditioning and playing responsibly with the puck or without the puck. That is, and those are things that have supposedly been worked on, and I guess a lot of fans are saying they see him as a really good two-way forward currently with a, a lot of offensive upside. I was a little surprised by that. He played really well in the AHL last year, too. Uh, I guess in two years in the AHL. In 117 AHL games, he's had 83 points. That's really good. Yeah. And sometimes you end up with tweener guys that are like really good AHL players, not great NHL players. I don't think that's what Sammy Blay is. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Although he wasn't all that great in the AHL. No. I think Sammy Blay is just one of those guys We're that... We're going to be rewriting that story yeah. this year. We should talk about him, too. He's mm-hmm. another player. Anyway, sorry, go on. I will say Sammy Blay, um, 
I think if there's an injury, if the team's completely healthy, Fabry plays. I don't know if he makes this lineup. I don't know a lot of different players that make this lineup if it's a fully healthy roster. But I think the first injury that happens, he's the first call up, and then he grabs it by the horns and he stays. I really he reminds me kind of like a Jaden Schwartz where it just takes a little while. Uh-huh. I mean. It doesn't even take a little while. It takes the normal amount of time. <laughs> I think we're used to like a Robbie Fabry coming in and yeah. just being great, or the even Blues have had a, a lot of guys Thomas. that arrive quickly. Yeah, and, especially you know, recently. Thompson, um, Fabry, like you said, mm-hmm. yeah, and especially recently, Barbashev. I mean, arrived pretty mm-hmm. quickly for a second round. Break. We forget it. Just it takes time. We forget that. I don't know that Dominic Bach is the norm either. Where it'll be, you know, probably still. Mm-hmm at least the third season from now, at least this season and next season, and mm-hmm. at best he starts the season after that. But, like, that's closer to the norm than one year, you know? And so, um, yeah, I think, boy, I don't want to get... I'm I'm pretty hyped on him, and you don't want to read too much into it. But what he was a six round pick originally. Yeah, six round pick. And he grew. I mean, he the reason he was a six round pick was because he was t tiny when he was drafted, and now he's like six foot two oh five. Or can something. you interview people's like parents? I I guess you can as yeah. a team. Can I you be know. like, look, when was your oh. growth spurt? And they're <laughs> yeah. like, oh, it was like age twenty, and you're like, okay, all right, we're writing that down. Very good. <laughs> I thought you were saying like, could we reach out to the plays? <laughs> and I was like, first of all. Don't know if they're going to speak English. <laughs> Strong chance they don't. Second of all, they ain't coming on this podcast. <laughs> two guys, two play podcasts. Mm. Like, ten, we'll spend ten minutes. How do you pluralize your name, please? We'll respond in French. Ah, uh, there we go. Wee, wee, wee. We can speak with Gritty. Gritty can be our translator <laughs> because he is Mark Bergevin. Mm. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I agree with everything you said about boy, and I, I, I don't want to put the cart before the horse, but I could see us looking back at him in a while and being like, we got him in the sixth round. And the nice thing about this season that we'll talk a lot about with some of these fringe guys is we have a real AHL team this year. Mm-hmm. So it's not a death sentence to send them down there. <laughs> and more importantly, like... You're not you're not losing anybody, but you also have the space to really find out who the real people are that you really need to hold on to and protect, you know? I'm just I'm happy. This season's fun. <laughs> Let's move on to the aforementioned Tyler Bozak. Bozak Horseman. I hate I, I hated this signing when it oh, happened. Yeah. Because and I I mean I don't think I'm alone. I think we all were like, oh, this is our center solution, and it's somehow more boring than bringing back Paul Stasny. But, like, and and I know people will be like, well, then why are you so high on him? Not that we have that many haters out there, because God knows you'd have to actually enjoy something about this podcast to listen to it. But, um, <laughs> people could hate listen, that's for sure. <laughs> but they certainly have plenty of material. But, um, yeah, I mean, like... In light of the O'Reilly thing, we've talked about it plenty this summer, but, like, everything else made more sense. Mm -hmm. If you're signing those guys to be second line, 
Boo. If you're signing them to be a third line, hooray. (laughs) You know, like, that's great. And we talked about that. So why don't you give me your thoughts on Bozak? Because I know you're even higher on him than I am. Oh, now you've you've shot me too high. (laughs) I'm just as high. He should be a fixture on the third line as a center. Uh, you know, during Ian Peters, honest to God, thinks eighty points for Tyler Bozak. Eighty. I don't know why we're stopping at <laughs> double digits. <laughs> this guy, Tyler Bozak, is going to be competing for uh, the what is the what is the points? Art Ross. Art Ross. Yeah. The Art Ross Trophy with William Carlson at the end of the year. They're and, both going to have and Ty Ratty. Yeah, they're both going to have I don't know, over 300 points. Oh, and I should have known this earlier cuz we have a whole bevel of them now, but he's a Saskatchewan native. He's ah. a Sasky. See from Regina. <laughs> which try and try saying that name and not laughing. We're mature. <laughs> That's great. Um he's supposedly found a good chemistry with Alexander Steen, mm-hmm. the uh, former Maple Leaf connection. I don't think they ever played together. They couldn't have. There's no way. Have. Yeah, I don't think they did. But they heard about each other. <laughs> um, Bozak's not the most defensively responsible center, but playing third line will have him playing against other teams' lesser threats. So that might work in his favor. Plus, Steen can help out as an excellent sort of two-way forward. And then I'm thinking any other forward they put on that lineup. I'm thinking eventually it's Perron because I kind of think they're going to move a young stud up with Shen and Schwartz. I think that's a pretty good third line. That's two defensively uh, great just forwards. Hinted at a spoiler. Oh, we all know where Jordan Kyrie is playing. <laughs> um, playing with young skilled forwards though too. If Fabry or Kyrie Blay end up on the third line, I think will be a really good fit for him because I think he's used to playing with some of those guys. Like in Toronto, he didn't necessarily play on any of their lines exactly, but he also played with Phil Kessel for a really long time, so he knows what he has to do in order to set up somebody offensively. He's 53.6 career faceoff percentage are pretty good. You kind of alluded to that earlier. Will most likely have a role on the PK, possibly on the power play. He's a pretty good puck distributor. What shouldn't be overlooked, excuse me, with his faceoff percentage is that it's improved for the most part. Over his over career. His career. Well, that's not entirely fair, but it went from 48 <laughs> to 40 to 53 to 56 for two years, and then it dropped a little last year, but still pretty good. Yeah, and I think being, I mean, 30 is an age I'm close to, but I will say that he's a veteran presence mm. at age 30, 31. I think he's seen a lot in this league. Actually, 32, okay. This. Oh, well, he's way far away from my age, then. What an old <laughs> fart. Um but, like, 10 years in the league, I don't know. For some reason, Tyler Bozak always struck me as, like, constantly sort of young. Right. Always. Well, I think he's got that, like, presence about him. Part of having a veteran presence is having a presence at all. <laughs> and I think, like, True. It's not a shot at him, but, like, does Jay Bromeister really bring a veteran presence? Is he going to, like, corner people and give the passion? I mean, speech? he is present, but you may not know <laughs> it. You might know it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I think I think he's got that personality. You saw it, and we all saw the Player Tribune article that was great. I mean, I think he brings a lot to this team. Mm-hmm. I think we'll see a lot from him. I, I'm going to say 45-plus points. I think that's pretty good for a third-liner. I mean, you have 43 last year, so it's possible. It's happening. Book what, it. What's his career high? 55? 55! Sorry. Um, oh, the people of the city love the Red Rocker. I'm true. sure they love that our, rendition. Our subscribers just skyrocket right there. <laughs> Thanks, Sammy. Uh. Um, here, let's talk about... The elephant in the room. 
with five injured knees. I'm counting the Jake, tr- I'm, Jake ca- Allen. <laughs> I'm counting the trunk as a knee. Um, Robbie Fabry. Yeah, let's let's discuss him. Let's digest. Who will the he undigestible? Be <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I. You want to go first? Go ahead. You do uh, the honors. You know, I I wrote a little chunk about him. But I'm trying to find the part that I really just think is the truth. And it's if this guy plays 60 games at max with needing rest this season, but doesn't get injured, you know, mm-hmm. 60 games at the most, I'll, I'll be totally fine. Like play 40 to 60 games, put up, I don't know, 20 points and I'll be and I'll be happy for him as a person. We might need a little more production out of somebody on this team, but I'll be happy that he was able to rebound. And that's really where my expectations are. Please come out. Please skate. Look like a hockey player. I, I just cannot put my expectations very high. I mean, blow him out of the water, please, Robbie. And I'm sure I'm putting him I've, too low. But we'll like, be the happiest people yeah. if he plays 82 games and scores 20 goals this year. But, Go for it. Please. But and I feel I feel bad because I feel like we're always the pessimists. I don't want to be a Debbie Downer on him, but you know, I think we've gotten spoiled in sports in general because ACL injuries are so routine now. I mean Mm -hmm. ACL surgeries are so routine now. But that's one ACL surgery. And even that still shortens your career. Adrian Peterson may have come back from his in like six weeks, but it, I mean, he's still, you know, he's still had the sunset of his career come a little sooner than it might otherwise have. But twice on the same knee, you know, I don't know. I wrote, I I wrote an article about it, (laughs) but like writing that I did the, I did some research on it and it's pretty devastating to have this happen again. And it it's not just the knee. Even if the knee is a thousand percent, he has the fatigue of not playing from basically two full hockey seasons. Well, one and a half full hockey seasons. It's been 20 months. He has, you know, I know these are, are really precise surgeries, but there's going to be soreness in the knee. There's going to be probably some scar tissue. Well, he's having problems with like his hip and his lower back. Yeah. It's just... Muscles the and areas system, that are compensating for that. Like the knee's part of a whole thing that's going on down <laughs> there. In my very scientific, I'm a doctor. <laughs> um, he, I, I just don't, I don't see, on the one hand, the, the positive way of reading it is he doesn't have to put the team on his back this year. Mm. And God knows he couldn't care enough. But like, The negative way of reading it is, like, I just, like you, I don't see him having a dominant season. And I don't, you know, I I hope, I hope he proves me wrong. Just like you said, like, that'd be, nothing would make me happier than if he proved me wrong. We're all Robbie Fabry fans. We're all rooting for him to play well. But I don't know, you know, I know that Ottawa was interested last year when he was still injured. Mm-hmm. I would be willing to trade him only because I don't know that this is the right team to take on that sort of a rehabilitation project. When you've got all these young guys that could just could just fill that spot. And I'd yeah. feel bad for Fabry because it's like, look, we're trying to help as much as we can, but also but there's, we just can't have like a spot where this guy's kind of like 
learning the game again. There's you know, a, right? And there's and and I'm not again. I'm I'm not trying to be cruel, but like Jordan Cairo is ready for the NHL. He just, I mean, he's just proven that this preseason. Now, I'm not trying to be overexcited, but like, what's the AHL going to do for him? Really? I mean, he'll improve there. Mm-hmm. But it's it's just waiting. I mean, he's just biding his time down there more than anything. And like, does he really deserve to lose out to a hobble? You know, and um, forgive me again, but like a hobbled <laughs> older guy just because the other guy got there first. You know, like so. I'm not saying trade him. I I want him to have an amazing season, but if it becomes this thing where he's constantly missing every third game, I give him to a team that has more flexibility. And then I just say, look, you know, Ottawa, we know you're interested in this guy. Let's throw together something. You just, you know, we know you don't want Mark Stone anymore. You just toss him back our <laughs> way. Just throw him over. <laughs> <laughs> no. But, like, seriously, I, I try to sell him to a team. You know, maybe maybe you can dupe some team into, like, giving you a, a future first to make out the one you missed. But even if it's not that, like, a second or a third, just to, like... Give him the opportunity to succeed somewhere where he has a little more freedom. But I hope none of that happens. I hope he's amazing and mm-hmm. he's just strong and great. Um, speaking of players struggling with injury, unless you have more to say about Fabry, Eric Foley uh, suffered a concussion in the uh, prospect tournament. It's crazy, like... Does that feel like a long time ago? One thing, yes, it does. And it was only, like, what, two or three weeks, but... It it feels like concussions are such a weird nebulous thing, because like that weekend he was like walking around the stadium. The friend, my friend Garrett, who I went up with, like said hi to him briefly. Like he was fine, but I any time a player's missing time with a concussion, I feel like oh he's just like locked in a dark room mm-hmm. until he comes out, which is certainly what did actually happen with David Perron. Yeah. But not with Eric Foley, apparently. So hopefully he recovers from that quickly. I think it's really disappointing that he missed training camp this year. Uh, I don't think he necessarily would have pushed for a roster spot, but I think he brings something different to this team. He's one of the players that I'm highest on besides like the obvious guys. What do you think about him? I mean, I think you said everything that I would say because I haven't really seen all that much from him. It's too bad he missed out on all these practices and everything, but hopefully the teams keeping him involved and everything so he just feels you know part of the group and i think they probably are because they did an outstanding job with fabry we probably mentioned this at the time when we were talking about him i don't know a month ago but not to go too far back on fabry but i guess petrangelo and steen and all these guys were really always reaching out and talking with him like nonstop throughout all of last year because they didn't want him to feel isolated and like he was you know, a blues player, but he really wasn't part of the team. So that's kind of cool. So mm-hmm. I'm guessing they're doing a lot of the same stuff with Foley, even though I'm sure it's a much more of a minor deal with him. Yeah. I hope so. I hope he, they are. Uh, shall we move on to Mr. Dimitri Askin? Here's a player for the haters. Man, some people... Unreasonable. They're, hate Dimitri Askin. I'm sure this is true in every fan base. Yeah. Oh, 100%. But, like... There are te- there are just players that people latch on to with just pure adrenaline-fueled hatred. And Dimitri Askin is one of them. And I don't... Like, I get he was underwhelming last year. I think this is an example of, like, how prospect systems ebb and flow. Mm-hmm. And I think the reality is he came up 
as our quote-unquote top prospect at a time where our prospect system was as weak as it's been any time in the last decade. Did people can cons- like maybe that's what I'm missing? Do people consider him like a top prospect? I think no. That and that's the problem. I think there's a disconnect. You can be some team's mm-hmm. top prospect without being ah top yeah. prospect. And I think that's where the disconnect comes in. Whoever the 31st ranked farm system is right now has a best prospect amongst their prospect. But that guy in the Blues farm system might be 6th or 7th or 8th amongst our prospects, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I think that was the, you know, the Marianosa stigma, if you will, was attached to him from the beginning. And he never became that, like, promising power forward that people wanted him to be. But there's still a lot to like about Dimitri Askin's game, I think. Yeah, I mean, you settle into a role of essentially a fourth liner. And I'll say, I've said it before, that I'm not the biggest fan when they move him up, necessarily. I think he does a serviceable job of being, you know, defensively sound and being able to handle assignments, but I just don't think he produces anything or really helps, you know, line mates up at that level. He's not a creator. Yeah, but he's a fine fourth-line player. In fact, I think he's a pretty darn good fourth-line player. I think, what was it, his Corsi 4 is like something ridiculous. I mean, it's a small amount of time, but for... In 12 minutes, 11 seconds of average ice time across his career, he's got a 53.9 Corsi 4. Like, he protects, he protects the puck well. You can watch him do it. He's a big body. Mm-hmm. It's just one of those things where get him in the offensive zone, and he's kind of, I don't know, he's like a Magnus PRV. They just kind of look a little lost. They get near the net. There's a magnet of the same polarity, and they're kind of, like, pushed around <laughs> it and can't get near it. I wonder it. how much of that, too, is just a lack of confidence. You yeah. Know? Because Payarvi went up to Ottawa and did better. I mean, he wasn't great, but he was under the hitch umbrella for so long. And I don't know that Yo is like the pump him up mm-hmm. young guy kind of coach that they're talking about in the NHL. Certain videos on YouTube would <laughs> indicate otherwise. Um, so I don't, you know, I just don't know where his confidence level would be at. And so, yeah, I mean, I think he him on a fourth line is a gift. And I think he's the kind of player that could earn his way back into a lot of people's hearts if they're fair. Yeah. Which is hard. They um, keep signing him to small little contracts, and they don't have to. Do you know what well, I mean? Well, what was weird this year, and I guess because it was like the timing of it, because I think it was like right in that pre-free agency mm-hmm. window, and so it just came out at the. I feel like everything in Dimitri Askin's career has been ill-timed, but like some people freaked out about that contract extension and it's like what 1.1 million for a year yeah like it's nothing i mean it's literally nothing and some people were like oh this is what you're gonna do army like Mm -hmm. get rid of this guy and by that they meant army i don't know it's just weird i think he'll earn some respect yeah this year and i i like i really like him on a fourth line role i think he's a steal on a fourth line Mm -hmm. role i think he's really good in that capacity. You can play a little PK on like a third unit or mm-hmm. something. He's fine. He's I don't know what the deal is. I don't, he's just, I mean, I, you can't have 23 all-stars. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the other thing. And I, you know. People want that, for, like that cool new, new look fourth line. Mm-hmm. The new look is that, that it's going to be young. I don't think the new look is going to be because Thomas is on it and he's centering Jordan Cairo and Sammy Blay. Like, Mm, maybe yeah. you know what 
I could be completely wrong, but I think the new look is that it's just young people and not Upshaw and Brodziak. Right. Exactly. And I, I don't know. It's just, that's fine for us, I think. Yeah. Let's move on to the young people. One of the young people. Jordan Cairo has had a very impressive preseason. He's dope. He had a phenomenally impressive prospect camp. He had a phenomenally impressive rookie camp. This this guy, I mean, we, as hyped as we were all last year on Robert Thomas, we kind of pushed Jordan Cairo off to the side, and mm-hmm. I think we really did him a disservice. I'm sorry, Jordan. He is, you know, again, he hasn't proven anything a day in his life in the NHL. My favorite, <laughs> and by that I mean least favorite, <laughs> prospect tagline. Neither did Connor McDavid after he was drafted. He did all right. But <laughs> anyway, uh, I just think this guy has all the tools to be a, a huge star in this league if they let him be. And and I, like I mentioned earlier, I don't know what the benefit at this point of keeping him lower, yeah. keeping him in the AHL would be. I think the only thing is maybe they could give him like first line time down yeah. there. And so I could I could see that. And as I mentioned last week, I think Kairu, like more than anyone else, if there's like, say, a Schwartz injury, yeah. Kairu just steps into Schwartz's spot in the lineup. Like not necessarily there, but like it won't be like, okay, let's move Steen to where Schwartz was and Yaskin to where Steen mm. was so that we can play Kairou on the fourth line. Like, I think if an injury opens something up or an opportunity arises, they won't hesitate to deploy Kairou for a lot of time. That's really interesting. I That's how I think they'll do it. Mm-hmm. But then part of me also thinks, oh, it's going to be the same old thing of exactly what you said. Well, Steen will move up, and they'll move whoever else up, and they'll put in... You know, Sashnikov has been sitting in the press box. He'll be on the fourth yeah. line now, and you're like, "Oh, uh, really?" The I about hope that, they don't, but I have. It's kind of just like Kyrie hasn't done a thing, and you know, hasn't done anything in the NHL day in his life. Improving it. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't. I haven't seen the St. Louis Blues <laughs> do this move where Doug, they put Kyrie in. You think Doug Armstrong walks around the? <laughs> Sounded like Gary Bettman. <laughs> I've already forgotten that Gary Bettman was <laughs> Jordan. <laughs> That's not very. You've never proven anything in the NHL, Jordan. Um, they're the same person, mm. just like uh, Gritty and Mark Bergevin. <laughs> the thing with Kyrie is like his game isn't gonna shine in ten minutes on the ice. I know that. I really this, don't want them to put him on a fourth I, line. I don't role. like. He's very talented. But much like Connor McDavid, Connor, Mc, Connor McDavid is a phenomenal player. But his even even still, his most phenomenal attribute is his speed. And the reason he scores more than anything, the reason he scores a hundred points a season and forty, fifty goals a season is because twenty or thirty times a season he's just passed. The defender. Mm-hmm. And it's just a straight-up breakaway, and he's an incredible finisher. And that's the kind of thing Kairou can do. I mean, it, I'm not saying he's Connor McDavid, but he, I'd, I'd be interested to see them in a foot race. Mm-hmm. I've never seen Connor McDavid from up clo- as up close as I saw Kairou in Traverse City, 
But I can't imagine a human being being much faster than Jordan Kyber <laughs> was in some of those moments. And the, the whole point of that is, like, you're just limiting the opportunities to do that if you only put them on the ice for seven or for 10 minutes at a time rather than mm-hmm. 16 or 17. You don't even give him a chance for a breakout. He's all right. of a sudden hemmed in his own zone like, right back on the well, bench. Well, yeah, and especially if he's, you know, on the fourth line. But, like, you know, I mean, it's just like Tyler Bozak's skills are going to be the same whenever he's on the ice. Mm-hmm. But, like, Jordan Kyra's, you're just limiting the opportunity for his best skill to change a game. You know, I mean, yeah. he's, he's always going to be fast. But breakaways just aren't happening all the time in the NHL, you know, and that's where he's really going to shine. Do, where where do you think, like, gun to your head right now, is he in the lineup? What's he doing? Uh, I think on day one, I, on day one in a week, I don't think he's in the lineup. Mm. I just don't. And I want People him are to be. be so butthurt about that, too. Oh, I'm. The first, like, oh, the yes. first game we lose that's, like, two to three. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, where's Jordan Kyber? He could have scored four goals. For <laughs> he could have taken the draw and made the save. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think he is because, like I said, I haven't seen them do crazy stuff with this roster yet in terms of just giving kids time. But we also haven't had players like this in a little while. I weirdly, like, I, I don't. I don't because you also don't want to hand your team to, like, four 12th rookies. But, like... I almost regret how much we did this offseason because I'd like there to be like two more to play him. Yeah, Yeah. it is kind of weird. And like I said, if Fabry doesn't play and Pran was hurt, but he's playing now, Mm -hmm. I think. So it's really just one spot and then maybe like a fourth line role, which I don't think they're going to give anybody. And so I don't know. I think it might go to Blay first just because he's played in the AHL and shown that he's successful there so it's kind of like I've played the man's game so uh, and he's done I'm not going to say it. he's done just as well but in a different capacity I could also see like I could see Armstrong being active in like November and December oh shopping some of these like Shop, bodies like if yeah. if if Jordan Cairo is wasting his time in the minor league just wasting down there that's when I could see like okay Robbie we love you and even if he's not struggling, like, yeah, we love you, but I'm, you've kind of be proven your value trading, and yeah. somebody wants you. And we've just got more certain long-term options here. You know, it's nothing personal, but I could see you trading him. I, you know, if Steen isn't hot, or even if he is hot, you know, like if there's a way to move that, I could see it. I'm not saying it happens. I'm just saying I could see it. It'll be interesting. Shall we move on to the hometown hero, mm-hmm. his own position? The hometown <laughs> hero, Patrick Maroon. Playing at the hometown hero. <laughs> uh, I think he brings something unique. I think you're a little lower on him than I am. This guy hates hometown heroes, yeah. people. I have one, and it's Tyler Bozak. <laughs> no, I mean, I think I think his most impressive skill will be how different he looks from anything we had last year. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's not Ryan Reeves, but some of that same fire and size and energy with much better offensive upside. I think with Patrick Maroon, I hear a lot, and I haven't watched him a lot. It's not that I haven't seen it from him. It's that I have literally just have not seen that much from mm-hmm. Patrick Maroon. So I get this weird disconnect where I'm like, he's a really big guy, and we heard him talk not so good, 
at <laughs> at the at the icebreaker, which is a whole other thing. But I was like, I just I have some disconnect in my head where I'm like, yes, he's supposed to be a pretty good player, but I literally look at him and I'm like. I don't get, or like I get it. He's a big guy, but it's weird to me. Does this make any sense? Yeah, I'm just no, kind of totally. sitting there. I'm like, I need to see him do the things people say he can do. He's supposed to be a pretty good passer for a big guy. Brings a physical element. I can see that. I'm waiting for, I guess, where they're going to toss him in front of the net on the power play, or him creating space. You know, for um, O'Reilly or Tarasenko. Supposedly, he already has pretty good chemistry with O'Reilly, so that's really good. I guess I'm just curious to see if he sticks there. You know what I mean? Uh huh. Like. Our first line doesn't necessarily have to be like our complete first line. It can be kind of a 1A, 1B sort of scenario with Chen and Schwartz and whomever on the, the second line there. But I just wonder if he can play that many minutes. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he has elsewhere. He played with Connor McDavid, so I suppose he's played heavy minutes and he can receive a pass, obviously, <laughs> because he's able to score off things and set people up too. Yeah. So I think I I see it. On the page, I don't see it on the screen yet, but I'm interested. I think the thing I don't like about him, or the way he's personified, oh, is... <laughs> the thing I hate about the hometown hero is... His haircut, no. Um, I think, obviously he played with Conor McDavid, and obviously that's a boon for any player. It's the reason why Ty Ratty is being seriously discussed as an NHL player <laughs> right now. You know, I mean, I get that. I'm not trying to discredit Ty Ratty, but... Or, I am trying to discredit Tyree. <laughs> I'm not trying to discredit Connor McDavid by saying this, but like, I think there's this stigma of kind of like, oh, it was only Connor McDavid. Like Connor McDavid took a fourth line body mm-hmm. and made him Patrick Maroon, but I don't think that's really fair to him. I he think- did good on the Ducks. <laughs> he did. He did good. He did really well on the. He Ducks. did all right on the Ducks, and last year after he was traded to the Devils, in 17 games he put up 13 points. And I don't think he was necessarily playing with Hall, but even if he was, then he's going to be playing with Tarasenko and O'Reilly. Like if the if the argument is he's good with good players, I don't care. Yeah, but he's like here. that's fine. <laughs> yeah. But like if the argument is he only needs Connor McDavid, I mean, yeah, seventeen games isn't that big a sample size. I get that, but like you can't just write that off. Mm-hmm. And he's know? a motivated guy back home. <laughs> I think I've heard a lot of people go. It could be. I mean detractors say well it could be a little bit of distraction being at home but i think it's just going to be a huge motivator that's weird to me that whole argument i mean i've heard it but it's strange i don't know you know when you're playing hockey and you're like what did my kid say to me this morning and then you miss a check and you know this game's over (laughs) seven nothing or whatever (laughs) you know when you're playing hockey and you're like will there be traffic on 55 going home (laughs) yeah how am i gonna make it back to oakville which is where he still lives i'm 100 percent poor bastard (laughs) no oakville's fine Nothing wrong with Oakville. My my brother lived there for a long time, so it's a great part. And of then town. he got out. <laughs> Let's rank the then parts he moved of town to a slightly different part of South County. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I like Maroon this year, and I think the nice thing about Maroon is he literally could play on any line. Mm-hmm. He brings something to any line, so a lot of flexibility with him. Um, I like him. I'm excited. Ryan O'Reilly, I don't know what we need to say, but why don't you say some stuff? He's great. I love him. Uh, he David Perron. Yeah. <laughs> he had his second best season last year on a terrible team. 24 goals, 37 assists, 61 points in 81 games. 15 of those goals were on the power play. Maybe that translates here. 
maybe he's like Braden Shen, which is a great player that was really great on the power play before he got him, came here, was fine. You know, last year, a lot of people go, man, he's really going to help invigorate our power play. And I think our power play rolled over him. Our power play was <laughs> was so bad that there was nothing Braden Shen could do. And I don't know if it'll be the same for O'Reilly, but it's good to see that he is productive on the power play. Led the league last year in faceoff percentage with a staggering 60% like we talked about. I know, and we talked about this too, he talked about having, losing, I should say, his love for the game. It's going to happen when you're on like when you're on the worst yeah, team in hockey. Yeah, that was the weirdest received. Yeah, it was another like not. It's kind of the inverse of the NHL doesn't like fun, but it's like, oh, don't 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 bad speak mouth. your mind. Yeah, don't like bad mouth Ryan, hockey. Ryan, you told the truth in an interview, Ryan. Yeah. Ryan, that's that's <laughs> not very good, Ryan. You know they're gonna start sick in the. Gritty on people <laughs> if they start speaking their mind. I lost the love of the game. I, lo- I, I, yeah. I love hockey. As Gritty just slowly sport. comes into focus <laughs> and puts a hairy finger up to his hairy lips <laughs> and makes a hairy shushing sound. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what that sound like. Um, uh, but by all accounts, O'Reilly has looked rejuvenated here as a player. Uh, he said he's you know really enjoyed getting to know St. Louis, which I know they always say. They're always like, "What a great town, mm-hmm. Yuma, Arizona." He was is. the one though that like, I, I mean, that dude was ready to get out of Buffalo the day he was traded. He was like, "Yeah, I'm coming to town tomorrow to look at houses." Please, it's so cold. <laughs> but like usually, you hear about a trade and it's like, "Oh yeah, I'm coming to town," and like. Oh yeah, I'll be there for the icebreaker event in August or whatever. And like, he was like, "Nope, I'm coming to St. Lou right away." Yeah, I kind of mentioned already. I just think he's a much better, younger Paul Stasny, and I kind of mean that two ways, both as a compliment, as an insult, yeah, as a compliment. Just great defensively, wins draws, really good actually behind the net at being able to find people in Gretzky's office. But I think also to sort of temper people's expectations slightly because I think you hear what a great center he is and people start thinking immediately you hear great center and I know I start thinking immediately about like amazing playmaker gonna put up like tons of points you know I don't know a Crosby like center you know your stereotypical center but he's much more of like a two-way center a guy that's gonna end up with 60 points I'd say probably maybe Closer to 70 so, yeah, with a good team. That's what I was going to say. Do you think he has a Braden Shin-like renaissance and jumps his point total 10 or 15? I think it's possible. Do I think he's a monster and he steals <laughs> Braden Shen's ability to play hockey and becomes Braden Shen? Um, yeah, I think it's possible that he, that he gets 70 points. I don't think he's going to have anything... I mean, that is pretty, I was going to say that's a pretty crazy season, I suppose, but I could see it. I could see if he really clicks with Tarasenko and if he does some good work on the power play. I think it's possible. I could see him getting to 70, you know, and just setting his career high. He Set got to it 61 and forget with it. nobody That's on what the I mean. How did he get 61 year? points last year with just Wh- nothing? Who was he giving assists to? Evan Rodriguez? <laughs> he sure did when he faced the Blues because yeah. that guy got like a friggin' hat trick. Thanks for nothing. While we were. At the pageant, I think, for something? I don't remember Mike what. Mike yeah. That's what it was. Look at that weirdly specific memory. Before we move on to David Perron, <laughs> yes. we have breaking news. Mm. 
it's very insignificant. Oh. But it does belong in our senator's sadness. Oh no. <laughs> Summit. <laughs> Jesus Christ. (laughs) Ottawa Senators, I will just read the complete hockey news tweet word for word, because even a theoretically impartial organization cannot report impartially on this obviously cursed organization. (laughs) They tweet, Ottawa Senators Bobby Ryan blocked a Duncan Keith shot with his hand, because of course he did. He went to the bench in serious pain but stayed in the game. Nothing like a guy with a history of hand injuries blocking a shot in a meaningless game on day 452 of training camp. Because the only thing worse that the Ottawa Senators could do than pay $7 million a season for Bobby Ryan to not produce on the ice would be to pay him $7 million a season to recuperate from his injury. (laughs) That team, and then the best part about that was, I, I, I closed the tweet, but the top comment was, Ottawa will get Hughes for sure now. They're definitely winning the tank race. As nearly as I could tell, totally sincere. And the next comment was, while well, they traded their first round pick to Colorado for starters with like a billion period ellipsis. <laughs> There's no hope. It is all darkness. And that's why we've devoted our Senators Sadness Summit to them. I don't got that much to say. I think yeah, it's sick. Well, I know. Here's another guy. Let's 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 mention briefly. If if I hear hate for David Perron this season, I'm gonna throw things. We know what he is now. Yes, he will take a couple of boneheaded penalties. In the grand scheme of things, they will be very minor compared to the fifty-ish or more points he will contribute. The consistent play on special teams he will offer, and the agitation he does of the opposition more often than not that isn't penalized. I really like David Braun. And honestly, I wrote about it a little bit earlier in the summer, talked about it a little bit, but like, he wants to play in St. Louis. And in the same summer where John Tavares wouldn't even take a call from this organization, that's kind of a good thing that makes me like him a lot. So Mm -hmm. I love David Braun. Haters be darned. Haters be darned. <laughs> well, then I'll sorry, say... I say, I hate David Perron. <laughs> uh, the only thing, the only detractor I ever had for him is that, well, when he started here, is actually pretty our like only playoff producer. Mm-hmm. But since then, that's the one place he disappears in, is that he's just not the, the greatest in the playoffs. But to be fair, with the way this lineup is... He shouldn't need to be, like, the one showing up in the playoffs, really. Show up and be healthy and be defensively sound, and you're golden. No, I'm looking forward to him. just watch out for Jumbo Joe Thornton. He's he's still around, so yeah, watch out. (laughs) He's got a gritty beard. He sure does. 
So that's that. You have any more to say? We gotta keep Jumbo Joe away from Gritty. Oh my god. Or Gritty might just kill him. I mean, cool, but <laughs> Sam Seaborn stuff. We're not advocating for Gritty to kill anyone, but no, we we on the two guys no cup podcast do not condone vigilante justice unless it gets results, <laughs> which it will. There you go. You heard it, Gritty. <laughs> Get my, to work. That's my little homage to the, I believe the Simpsons movie. Anyway, let's move on to <laughs> Zach Sanford. You put Zach Sanford on this list. Tell me why. You stole. Explain yourself. <laughs> you stole here. Um, I kind of talked about Barbashev as a guy we don't talk about it amongst our young core, but good lord, mm-hmm. Zach Sanford is utterly forgotten. Well, on a somber note, his father did pass away this week. <laughs> Why am I laughing? Don't laugh, Stephen. That's such a tonal shift. Sorry, that's my fault. No, I was trying to look as to why he wasn't on a roster recently, and I was like, oh, that's right. I am very sorry. No, you're fine. I think he would forgive you. I hope so. I've been through it, too, so you know. Forgive us. Um, So, yeah, that's hard. Um, But on a complete, yes, you (laughs) turn from that. I don't know what role he has on this team. This guy is the first in a trade to me. Oh, for sure. Where he's like still has a little <laughs> Hopefully value. Hopefully there's one other team out there that has to have <laughs> Zach Sanford. I yeah, honestly I don't know. I mean he's big body, decent hands. Just where's his role? Was it Thompson who we drafted with the or was that that was it Thomas? I guess it was Thomas who we drafted with that pick. I think we maybe traded up but Yes. So, hey. Or was that the one Thomas we traded for Shen? Maybe it's one of the ones we traded for yeah. Shen. I think that's what it was. But in any case, we didn't get so much out so, of that trade. That's how much we uh, know or care about Zach, Zach Sanford, Sanford as yeah. a Blues player. I hope. I mean, he's cool. I'd like him to succeed. I just don't know. I have nothing against him. I don't but, know where he fits. Yeah. But, hey, let's go for it. Braden Shen, Jaden Schwartz were phenomenal together last year. Talk their about alpha, them as a package. They're yeah. alphabetically sub. They're alphabetically. I can't think of the word next to each other. Yeah, like one they're after the both other. From Saskatchewan, I believe. I don't know where he's from, or where he's. From. They're both he's. <laughs> I don't know where Braden Shen's from, he's but from I know Saskatchewan for sure. I don't, but I don't know the town, but. Pierre oh. Maguire tells me nonstop <laughs> that Jaden Schwartz is from Wilcox, Saskatchewan. Oh, that's true. And how many times do you think he says that this year? Like five? How many national games do we Man, have? honestly, of all things, of all the things we need to remember to do, we need to remember to mark down how many times he talks about Wilcox, Saskatchewan. <laughs> I'm telling you, if, it's, if we're on NBC ten times and Pierre's... I don't know, on him, on us for like six times. Yeah, it's going to be six times for sure. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm looking up where Braden Shin is from. Probably Saskatoon. From Saskatoon. Much, Boom! Much boring. Oh, you guessed the biggest city in yeah. Saskatchewan. I so. think it's very kind to call it the biggest city. It is, but we shouldn't use it's big for, much like for Saskatoon. Much or wherever is the second biggest urban area in Finland. Good for you. Yeah. Oh, very good, Saskatchewan. <laughs> um, 
I expect pretty much the same from both these guys. I'm obviously you're always hope for better. I hope Jaden Schwartz is able to stay healthy. Jaden Schwartz, one of these years, Jaden Schwartz is gonna play. Let's be reasonable and say seventy five games. I know. Ooh. <laughs> and he's gonna. I think he's gonna surprise people. Oh, I think he get. He I think be he like gets a seventy points. Type of guy. Theoretically, yeah. I think. I don't. He's never. He want he was top, high on that poll of most underrated players last year by the players union whatever mm-hmm. NHLPA players association that's the word I was looking for. Do you think it's because they feel bad for him because he plays because yes. he plays dumb all the time? <laughs> I don't know why, but I don't know Le- through interviews leagues, we've learned that he just plays most dumb. Underrated Billy Joel expert. Yeah. Is he a great Rangers? <laughs> I love the fact that they you joked about Billy Joel being a great Ranger because his name was in the rafters at Madison Square Garden. And then they would laugh and they would look at him like, cool, funny joke. And he would just turn away, <laughs> stone cold face, and just watch the rest of the game. So they don't know. They don't know if he's stupid or not. I hope it's just the br- most brilliant con oh, of yeah. all time. Shankirk said he didn't think he could read. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because didn't he give him the role of... Of, like, reading off the, like, names at the beginning of the game? (laughs) Obviously he can. He's he's literate. (laughs) We think. Braden Shen has helped him to get to a second grade level. Was that that Wyshynski, right? Yeah, I think so. It was either him or Friedman. It was yeah. somebody, like, national. It had to do with, like, Jane Schwartz and I think his sister and, like, oh, sort yeah, of, like, I his life and everything. Yeah. But, anyway, yes, some levity. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what to say about these guys. I think it's reasonable to maybe say Shin regresses yeah. somewhat, but not, like, down to 50 points or whatever. I think yeah. 65 or 60 is possible but uh, part of that comes from he doesn't have to be the only yeah, person he's that gonna scores have for this slightly yeah. less ice time now that you got ryan o'reilly it mm-hmm. will eat up minutes so i think it might help too because you get a little less ice time but maybe you're more productive in that ice time yeah because exactly. you're just gonna be a little more fresh it'll be a little of each and then Jaden schwartz i mean all he needs to do is stay healthy we know how good this guy can be he carried the team yeah i mean it was very night oh, and day yeah it was a stark when contrast. his injury <laughs> I mean, not that we weren't struggling somewhat before that, but without him, we were a different team. Well, we talked about how he's kind of that engine for this team. Mm-hmm. Like, if Tarasenko is, like, the wheels or the rims and the spoiler and the leather seats, <laughs> Schwartz is the engine. Like, you're going to win a contest because the car looks nice, but it has to get on the stage. Yeah. <laughs> and it seemed, for whatever reason, I don't know why, but... It, Maybe just because he's a smaller guy, or maybe it's a locker room presence. I don't know. But when he's competing out there, the rest of the team competes. Mm-hmm. And they're slotted in where they should be, and it just works. And when he's gone, that's just... You wouldn't think it'd be a gaping hole. If you just watched him play or just looked at him, like, okay, he's a really good player. But mm-hmm. if they lose him, it shouldn't be the end of the world, given the team that's constructed around him. And maybe less so with this team. But last year's team just fell apart. It was yeah. just like you lost... The whole and thing holding it together. Teams have it's happened. Been, yeah, it's I mean, happened before. Part the same way, but they were deeper teams. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, there's no question that those two will be integral to the team's success. Nikita Sashnikov, I really like. Maybe it's because he's a Maple Leaf, and Steve Dangle's kind of high. Was kind of high on him, but he's he's the kind of player St. Louis usually falls in love with. Mm-hmm. Like St. Louis. And that it's especially true when the Cardinals and it was big with like Tony LaRusso was like all about the 
the gritty player, the Skip Schumacher, the Fernando Vina. Like, maybe the skill level isn't as high as some players. Maybe it's not even really high enough to be an everyday major leaguer, but God, they're going to give a thousand percent every time they're on the mm-hmm. field. And I think Sashnikov is one of those players. It's to his detriment <laughs> to some extent because he keeps concussing himself <laughs> in the process. That sounds like he's in his garage just smacking his head against concrete. Like, yeah, as you note in these no- in these notes, which is where you should note things if you're going to note them anywhere. Um, he's 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 not a, like a dead offensive zone player. He's got a decent shot. Mm-hmm. He woos, which I know will fit in with this friggin' fan base. <laughs> you goddamn rednecks. Nick <laughs> Nick Flair, as they call him, because on his first goal he gave a big woo that could be heard around the arena. Um, Damn it, Sash. Why? Yeah, I mean, I don't think he's going to be anywhere but the fourth line, but I really like him, and I think because we did give up a fourth liner to get him, I think we'll give him every chance to succeed here if he can mm. stay healthy. Yeah, that's what I'd say. Okay. Good for Sash. <laughs> Alexander Steen's a bit of a question mark, I think. Um, so old. <laughs> Go ahead. Go no, ahead and yeah. insult his age. No, he's fine. He's going on 35 years old. He's like two or three years older than I thought he was. He's the, and I know you kind of make this note here, but like he's the first blues player that I'm like keenly aware of his entire boy's tenure. Mm-hmm. Other than guys that only had, like, two or three years here. Like, I've been aware of all of Yori Lateras. But, like, he's the first person that spent a career in a Blues uniform and is now coming to the end of it. And I'm not, like, okay with that. I know. I feel kind of bad. It's... He's... It's sad, but then it's also, like, life is fleeting and we're all <laughs> meaningless. Yeah, like, you know? he's the last sort of little bastion of like, oh, I've really gotten the blues at the very end of high school. Mm. And he and he's, he's still here, which is kind of amazing. And I know Perron's back, but really, Perron's been tainted by the rest of the NHL and back and forth. And something about Steen... <laughs> Steen looks at him, you're tainted. <laughs> <laughs> but like, Perron was here before I really got back into him. Like, he started mm. in 07, I think. Yeah. And Steen got traded like... I want to say two games before I went to like my first game in a long time in 2008. Yeah. Like I didn't know who the hell I've heard who Lee Stepniak was, but I didn't know who he was. Yeah. It's so like, oh, Alexander Steen. And I remember thinking Nor too. Has anyone else ever. <laughs> ever, but he's the freaking captain of the Seattle Sasquatches, the Seattle Gritties. He's the captain. <laughs> what if they named their team after a different team's <laughs> Why not? Just put that ugly mug on your jersey and call it done. But yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you that, like, Steen, obviously the trade was preposterous. <laughs> and I, I mean, it's genuinely, it won't, he hasn't had quite the career to be on, like, those. All time lists of like of craziest trades, yeah, you know, the Brock for Brolio sort of thing, but like genuinely one of the most atrocious trades ever made, particularly considering that we also got Carlo Koliakovo, yeah. who was like a fine defenseman here for five played, or six yeah, years, yeah, played like 400 plus games <laughs> for us, yeah, and was, yeah, totally fine here. And they had Stepniak for like a two and a half years or something, and he was. And the fact that he's also still in the league but bouncing around, so it's like they could have 
kind of kept Just him kept if they him. wanted yeah. to, but he's still, yeah, they got nothing pretty yeah, much. Exactly. Steen, I think, will do well this year because I'm, I got, I hope. Because I think he's just going to be on the third line. If it was Hitchcock still here, I would have zero faith in what I just said. They'd be moving him up to the first line. He'd be mm-hmm. playing all these, you know, all these Which matchup was weird, minutes. Would be especially weird because Hitchcock definitely hated him. Yeah, it was like I'll use you because you're a great player, but I hate you as a human being. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, I guess respect you he for that. He demands the most from those who he loves, but I that's guess. not true. Yeah, fuck off. <laughs> um, Old sack of shit. <laughs> like, I think he'll do well because he'll just have less minutes. At least that's what I'm hoping. I think if they give him less minutes, he'll be fine with Bozak. Can I ask you this? No. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> Will he be the point man on our first power uh, unit? I sure hope not, but he will be. Oh, 100% he will be. Uh, why? That didn't ever make sense. It's, and it's never worked. It's one of those things where it happened, uh-huh. and then people forgot. Like, somehow the whole organization forgot. And he's still there to this day. <laughs> like <laughs> they're like, like they flipped a switch and they never forgot to like. Oh, yeah, or like one of those things where like. Why are the lights in this closet on? Well, someone went in there two years ago. Yeah, so I guess it's that. <laughs> yeah, or like someone thinks that someone else appointed that position to him. Like, oh, well, I didn't want to tell him off the point. You put him there. And he's like, oh, I thought you put him there, and I didn't want to take him off the point. And it's like. He was Mike Yo is like, is anyone ever gonna tell tell Daryl to take him off the point? Yeah, and somebody nobody has the stones to say Daryl's not even here anymore. So, yeah, says so Mike Van Ryan or whoever the hell that is. Oh uh, yeah, Daryl, you look so different, Daryl. <laughs> Have you gotten younger? Oh my god, <laughs> Daryl, what happened <laughs> to your face? <laughs> uh, Yes. It's, yeah, it's he, that has to change. I think he was fine there for a little while, and I think he does okay there. But man, is he slow to get a shot off now? I think it could have been more realistically. It could have been one of those things that initially like changed the chemistry and got him hopping, and then people were like, "Okay, so that works." So we have yeah, to leave exactly. It. And it was more like, "No, it doesn't really work. It's <laughs> just a change of formula." Yeah, the same way that like a new quarterback. It cites a team for a week, mm. and then it's like, oh, but they're still... Oh, they figured it out. They're still... I don't want to crap on Anthony's team, so they're still the Cleveland Browns. That's not his team, so we protected him. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, I think I think you're right. I actually feel like Steen could have a better year than we think, mm-hmm. but he's not going to be a 70-point, 60-point guy again, and that's fine. People age. He's 35. He's a human being. The only thing is, you know, the term on the contract's a little worrisome, but we'll survive. And yeah. we maybe maybe we do trade him at some point. He would be a perfect veteran presence guy for a rebuilding crap team. So <laughs> there you go. Take him, Edmonton. Oh, Vern. Anyway, um, Oscar Sunquist. Take him, Edmonton. <laughs> <laughs> he could he could be the next next tirade. <laughs> the suckers gave us Tyranny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll take him. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's a fine fifth liner, I think. Yeah, that's an that's a excellent way of putting it. <laughs> he's fantastic on the fifth line. <laughs> but I th- I mean, like, I don't know. He's, fi- he's fine, like, 
a lot of team. He played like 40 plus games for us last year. This is the most backhanded insult I could ever give. But a lot of teams would have to give this guy (laughs) consistent fourth and even maybe some third line minutes. And we don't. Why isn't and Vancouver calling great. about this guy? Good lord. I know. They put him on the freaking second line and give him a three by four yeah. million dollar contract. <laughs> you play with Antoine Roussel. Yeah. I've got I've that also sounds mean, but I just, you know, like you say, nothing Oscar I, Sunquist. He's a San Antonio shuttle guy. Yeah. He's fine. Maybe he's great in the locker room. I don't know. He's Swedish, so he so, speaks so, all the people's languages. So the answer is no. <laughs> they're all good. Swedes. Vladimir Tarasenko, is he good at hockey? He's all right. I think he'll be phenomenal this year. I think he's going to shake off the rust and be great. What do you mm-hmm. think? <laughs> yeah, I, he had a disappointing season last year with 33 goals. And even then, that's just disappointing by his standards. It was 66 points. Um, Only... Like, only about him could we say 33 goals yeah. is very disappointing. You know he has the most even-strength goal of goals of any player in the NHL over the last three years? Really? Yeah. Well, I guess, okay, because Ovechkin, Ovechkin gets a lot of power so play. much on the power play. Remember when and, Ovechkin... But, but he's only, like, second, I think. I think he's just second in total goals. Mm-hmm. So, whichever way you look at it, it's pretty damn impressive. I believe it. I think, yeah, I agree with you. I think he's going to have a really big bounce back here. To me, when people say, well, we finally got a center for him, I always think, well, we had a center for him in Laterra. And even though you people didn't necessarily like Laterra and you brought his welcome here, he did a really good job with Tarasenko, and he set him up plenty. Mm-hmm. And Tarasenko got to 40 goals, and he's kind of sort of plateaued around there. I think... When, was the 40-goal season Laterra's good season? I think it was the one after that. No, it was the one after that. So, so even... You don't need the best center. Yeah. What was frustrating to me is, like... I'm not. I don't know that Stastny and Tarasenko were a match made in heaven. No. But I felt like those two never really got like a twenty or thirty game shot to be like, "Hey, you're the guy we're paying to be our number one center. Mm-hmm. You're our biggest star. Try it." You know, I just felt like they never got extended times on the same line. I think. And I feel like sometimes in game they throw them together and they look great. So I don't know. It was a little strange. Well, my bigger point is that. I don't think he he needs a center and that someone has to get him the puck. Mm-hmm. But I don't think he needs some center that's like an amazing playmaker yeah. that's only looking out for him. I've said it before, but I think Tarasenko reminds me a lot of Phil Kessel, who really doesn't doesn't need anybody. Just kind of creates on his own. And I'm not calling Tarasenko lazy, but I think if he pushed himself a little harder, I think that's where his 50 goals comes from. Yeah. I think him improving just alone is what nets him 50 goals because mm-hmm. you watch him play and he doesn't really need someone to get him the puck. He needs somebody to get him space. Yeah, He needs somebody that can like clear a front of the net, can move people around, someone he can sort of pick and roll off of behind because most of the time when he's scoring, it's, not, it's almost never a one-timer. Mm-hmm. And it's him sort of selling the puck down and getting a wrist shot off, or it's him trying to do... His wrist shot is yeah. insane. It's him doing a little hip swivel that I he mean, does his now. Shot, yeah. I think we're almost numb to it at this point, but his shot is so absurd. Mm-hmm. And, and I think the weird thing with him is like, and we've said this before, but like, it almost feels like he needs to be more selfish. Mm-hmm. Oh, 100%. Like, just take your shots. Like, it's, you know, Alex Ovechkin, nobody's faulting him for taking 300 shots a year. 
that's fine. Like, somebody mm-hmm. needs to do that, so take your shots. And I kind of think that's one thing he needs to improve on, you know? Take your, take them. Take mm-hmm. them all. If I've, he took 300 shots this year, I wouldn't be disappointed, and he would get 50 goals, so... I think with taking more shots, too, it feeds into the only other problem I think he has is mentally he gets really frustrated when he's not scoring. Yeah. Which I, from a competitive person standpoint and never been a professional athlete i totally get i'd be frustrated too but i think he puts a lot of pressure on himself to be the scorer on this Mm. team and he is but he shouldn't feel like he's alone but i think if he can get over that if he's like yeah i'm not scoring but if i just stick to it and i don't i mean people have said he's kind of he gets a little sulky you know on the bench or whatever if he can sort of get past that i think that's an even bigger boon to his production i should clarify he actually took 306 shots last year in his worst scoring year in recent years (laughs) but i mean generally i think a lot of those were like you said kind of aggravated shots if he's taking the good looks instead of trying to make that one extra pass he's gonna finish a lot of those you can part of that like you said is getting him space you can totally tell when he's frustrated Mm. i've seen people be like how do you like didn't look frustrated on the bench to me, or you know, I don't know. People really, really want to defend him, which is fine. But it's if like he you looks can you, normal. Yeah, he's probably angry. Well, you can even tell by the way he's shooting. Guy. Well, that too. But like, he's a, usually a pretty yeah. happy looking guy. Yeah. So if he looks like a straight faced, he's probably pissed off. You can like see a follow through yeah. that actually looks po'd. Like it's not that hard to tell. Yeah. I'm. I know this isn't a universal frame of reference, but like Jake Wallman got a dirty hit at the end of our last Traverse City game, and he was just literally taking every puck he got and firing it at the nearest body, and if that happened to be the net and the goaltender, <laughs> great. Like, you can see that sort of stuff when it's mm-hmm. happening. Um, yeah, but I really expect a great season from him. Um, and I could see him... I don't think he'll just, like, shoot to 50, but, like, I could see him setting a career high this year. Yeah. If that's 43, you know, fine. But like, So be it. Yeah, exactly. Robert Thomas. Uh, he's on the team. He's on the opening night roster. This might contradict something I said earlier, but that was nine hours ago. <laughs> um, yeah, I think he's going to be on the roster opening night. It might be what people don't like where he's on centering the fourth line or something like that. If that's like that. to start, that's fine. If that, yeah, exactly. That's a start, but I hope he moves up in it. I think this preseason start up a little rough for him. I don't think he was playing bad. He was just kind of playing quiet. Didn't really have a lot of time to do stuff. But um, I think it's been, from what I've read, every game thus far he's gotten better and better. And I think his best game was even when they got shut out two good days ago against the Capitals. In fact, I think the whole team supposedly played pretty well, just Phoenix Copley standing on his head. And I heard that... Rising from the ashes. Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> but I think Thomas but and Kyron Blay had a good... In Ashes, A-H-S-E-S. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're dyslexic in the <laughs> Copley family. Oh, yeah, he was on the lineup. That's all I gotta say. I'm Robert still, Thomas in the line. I know he had you know an up and down Traverse City, but I'm still as excited. You as can't. I've ever been. You just can't put him in juniors. Is basically what it yeah. comes down to. If he looks just awful, then I the guess. AHL. I mean, if he's terrible in nine games, fine. then yeah, send him back. But I send him back. Uh, Chris Thorburn, he's in the locker room. He'll play some. He'll win some fights. I mean, do we need to say a lot more about Chris Thorburn? No. 
He's it's fine. I, I mean, I, he's a fine player to have in the locker room. I'm not. There's lots of hate. I don't think we need him on this team, but if he's here, I don't think any coach, I don't know. I don't think any of these coaches are dumb enough to like, well, he's a regular player on this team. Yeah. He's not. He's just not. He knows that too. You know, yeah, I think not. he's well aware of what his role is here. If he's also, if he was the most improved worker in the, or most improved performer in all yeah. those endurance trainings and stuff, great. I want that yeah. in the gym. He's practically like a player coach, really. Should, yeah, and he should be able to say, you know, if he sees. You know, Robert Thomas slacking on the bench press. He's like, oh, rookie, I'm a fourth liner and you can't even, you know, keep up with me or whatever. You know, I mean, I want that. That's kind of yeah. great. Uh, let's move through defensemen a little faster since we have been here for an eternity and we do need to talk about goalies for a bit. Robert Bortuzzo, suspended for a game. I think he's a fine third pairing defenseman. Yeah. And he, you know, seventh or s- fifth through seventh defenseman. Do you have anything? <laughs> To say about him especially. Is he, do you know, is this the last year on his I contract? I think it is, but I kind of think he'll be back. No, I think he will I be I think too. of the three that were, that are in the final year, which is him, Gunnarsson, and Bo Meester, I think he's the only one that I think will probably keep him. I'd agree, yeah. And he's a good, I mean, as nearly as I can tell, he's a good teammate. I think he's close with like Edmondson and Schwartz and some of those guys, so keep him. I just fine. I mean, what are you going to pay him, like $2 million a year? It's not like a threat. What are you going to do? Pay him two million? (laughs) Go for it. Uh, Jay Bomeister, I mean... Is dying before our very eyes. (laughs) He could use some Phoenix Cowboys. I I mean, he's got to be on the third line or not playing this year. Mm. I I really wish he hadn't broken down as fast as he did. I think he had a great career, and I think he's going to be remembered as a disappointment for the Blues because of how it's ended. That's too bad. And I think it's it's that weird thing of, like, he came here as an Iron Man, and that was his thing. Mm-hmm. And then when he lost that, he you know, he didn't immediately become a worse player, but it was like the magic kind of disappeared for a while. I mean, permanently. But any mixture of him and Gunnarsson and Bortuzzo for a third pairing, like... That's an embarrassment of riches. As much yeah. as our, as much as you know, Twitter haters might crap on those guys. To have those guys as your third pairing is pretty great. And I you, think. I think you still need them around too for PK. So yeah. I mean, I think yeah, like you and said, somebody has to do the team's taxes, mm-hmm. and those are complicated. They're international players. You've got to know a lot of different countries' legal codes. So, you know, he's, <laughs> he's got to get to do my taxes. Exactly. He can't. You can't. You, Patrick, well, not Patrick Berglund. Who else is Swedish? Carl Gunnarsson can't use TurboTax for his taxes. They don't have that for Sweden. Yeah. So there you go. Are you supposed to account for Lutefisk? <laughs> <laughs> it's been so much money on Lutefisk. It's deductible. Jesus, Carl. You spent 50,000 Swedish Deutschmarks on this. How could you? <sighs> Vince Dunn. <laughs> Will he be the Ivan Barbashev of this season, bringing it all back around? I, I think he has the potential to be, just because I thought he had a really good rookie year. Yeah. And there's you just always worry about sophomore slump. but He's literally the only player that could have a sophomore slump yeah. on this team because he was literally the only rookie that mattered last year. That's true. He had 24 points last year. I think he could get he in the range of, like, I think he could get... 40. I'm not I'm not going to say 40, but I'll say low 30s. I think low 30s would be good for him. I think he should quarterback the second power play. Yeah. 
I think so too. Petrangelo and him and Edmondson, just flip them or however you want to do it. If you want to, well, Draco and Edmondson and him and Petrangelo. To be fair, Steen will be Steen and Petrangelo, (laughs) and 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 Dunn and and Pareko. You're right. They like to. Looks like they like to use Pareko a lot as the QB on that second unit, Mm -hmm. and I just think he should be the shooter, and Vince Dunn should be the high man. And I know that's like, but he's not defensively responsible. It's like, well, whatever. If they get by, we're giving him, we're up short handles <laughs> left, just, right? Anyway, whatever. So just well. let it happen. He who must not be named of the Nashville Predators, I think, scored like fourteen short-handed goals on us uh, last oh, year. So. I would like somebody to get around Vince Dunn. And then Jake Allen sees over whoever this breakaway person has been done, raising his arms up to his shoulders like, well, he's your problem now. I'm sorry. I'm shaking the mic. I'm laughing so hard. It's been a long night. Joel Evanson, good defender. First yeah. pairing defender. He should have a pretty good season. On a season. weird contract yeah. year. But I think he'll earn a nice... I mean, he's the kind of guy that gets to look at the Shea Theodore contract and just see dollars. Oh, that's what I was thinking. It's like, he can be like, oh, I see. Like, Oh, so I just became a 6x6 six six defender. Cool. <laughs> I think I don't think there's any way he makes more than Pareko. That's true. 5.5, yeah. but I think if he has a really good season, I mean... Make it for a long time. I mean, we were thinking he was going to get... Four. Sub four or around four ish, maybe depending on the term, too. Yeah, I, mean. I was thinking he could they could probably get him at like four two, something yeah. like that. But I think if he has a really good year, he could be looking at higher fours, which doesn't sound like a big jump. I mean, like four eight. I don't know if he really pushes it. I don't know that Edmondson answer me, tell me if you feel differently. I don't know if Edmondson is really ideally your first pairing LHD. No. I but don't he's think fine. So. I mean, he's fine. I'm not trying to crap on him. It's a lot better than like pre Bowmeister when Petrangelo had nobody to play there. Oh, it was just him and Koliakov. Yeah, which is like, I'm sorry, Carlo, but I was like, we were just talking about how much we loved him. But yeah, no, 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 no. I mean, he was fine before that, but then when it was like, oh, we've got we're a, a real team now, <laughs> Carlo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, kind of true, <laughs> but like, um, yeah. I mean, I don't know if he's ideally. That, but I don't know who you go out and replace him with. That's why I really hope they don't end up going, well, he's doing all right. We'll move him down and we'll move Bowmeister up a little bit. It's like, no, you just, it, yeah, they, they got to know that's impossible no, at this got, point. They, I, I could see Bowmeister playing like 45 games. Yeah, I, there's, I, there's no way he plays like over 70, 75% yeah, or whatever. Sure. Um, but yeah, Minson's playing for that contract. Um, We'll see. I yeah. think he'll be fine. I mean, I don't think he's bad. I just, that's an area where we could potentially improve long term if we needed to. Gunnarsson, we kind of already talked about in the same boat as Bo Meister. You have anything to add? Nah, he's just a Keep eating that younger Swedish Bo Meister. <laughs> exactly. Nico Mikola. Why don't you talk about Nico Mikola for a bit? First of all, when he has the best name oh, yeah. in hockey behind Uko Pekka Lukanen. Of the Buffalo Sabres. Fins, good God. <laughs> I think you have to do cocaine to come up with these names. Like, that's got to be what it, it is. Yeah, exactly. I think it's just... His first name is hyphenated Ukopeka. Ukopeka. <laughs> his parents couldn't decide. No. I like Uka. I like Pekka. Let's draw the whole thing off. Um, 
I like Mikula, and it's really I think it speaks volumes of what the team thinks of him that he's still here. And I don't mean that it's like oh he's still here, but I mean like he's doing a good job. He's uh-huh. making a case for himself. I don't think big too. Yeah, he's like six five, yeah. something like that. I don't know if he's has any think, offensive upside. But. I think if you're not paying three other guys eleven million ish dollars to be anywhere in your defensive core, he's easily on the third pairing. Well, that's the thing. I think next year, as so long as he doesn't just stink it up this mm-hmm. season, I think he's is easily he, on this team. Is he right? No, he's lefty. So Wallman's the only righty, or Schmaltz? Schmaltz is Schmaltz and Renke. Okay, so there's. Technically, space for for <laughs> Mikola. I mean, his his competition with them be yeah, essentially be Wallman for that spot, and I think he's got a good case to make because I think Wallman's Wallman's offensive upside would make him better on higher up in the lineup where he could uh, use it. Versus Mikola could like thrive as a third pairing like that. I don't that could be his ceiling, but he end up being like a really good version of maybe, that. I mean. I don't know. I don't want to trade Edmondson, but maybe if he starts looking for that Theodore money, maybe you trade him. Yeah. Move Dunn up to the first pairing and try Wallman on the second. Yeah, you it's got options. Lot, it's a different look defense than we had because it's smaller offensive guys rather than defensively stalwart bigger guys, but it might be interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm just spitballing out loud. It's 12. 15 in the morning. Um, Colton Pareko, what do you think about Colton Pareko? I thought he was a little bit down last year. Yeah, I think his detractors showed up a lot when we were in that sort of downward spiral. Mm -hmm. I just remember watching defensive play after defensive play fall apart, and it seemed like he was always out there for it. And there wasn't anything necessarily I could pick up on other than the fact that I think he does a lot of Stick checking, I mean, he's got a really long hockey stick. Mm-hmm. So he ends up doing a lot of stick checking. He does pretty well with it, but he relies on it so heavily that sometimes it just seems like he's trying to create a lot of space between him and the opponent. Like he's trying to get him to sort of back up. Or, you know, the more space he makes, the more, I don't know, it seems counterintuitive, but just to, like, get them away from the goalie. Yeah. But sometimes I think he really needs to just use his body, use his six-foot-five body. And, like, <laughs> he doesn't have to lay a guy out, but you can pin somebody against the boards. I mean, yeah. Petrangelo's not a ginormous human being, but I'd say he ends up being a little more physical than Pareko does. Mm-hmm. Pareko really just does sometimes come off as a little bit of a gentle giant in terms of defense. I feel like, I mean, I don't want to crap on him, but I feel like to a certain extent... He hasn't become Ivan Barbashev, but there's been a little bit of, like, he pushed to get here, and then he really impressed his first season. Yeah. And I feel like he sort of took his foot off the gas. He doesn't. I mean, he should be letting that shot go so Well, that's the other thing, too. Often. He should be firing that puck. And that, I don't, I don't, like, to me, that's on Mike Yo a lot. Mm-hmm. Because you just have to, I mean, you have to drill him until he does it. I don't, you know, I don't care... He, that has to, he has to take that shot on the power play, eighty to a hundred times a season, bare minimum. Yeah. Just shot attempts. Just try it, you know. And and if it goes in five times, it'll get deflected in fifteen more. You know. I mean, that's. I don't understand it. And we we kind of you know we kind of talk about like you should shoot there, but like. This is the year I think he needs to shoot. <laughs> uh, but overall, I mean, you know, he's no. fine. There's a reason that he's the kind of player that's linked to, like, 
Leon Dreisaitl and William Nylander in trade rumors. Well, it's another... You couldn't build a defenseman from the ground up that would be more appealing than he is. Yeah, it's another we we hate because we love. I mean, I really like Colton Preko. Just I want to see him kind of round out his game a little bit more. He's mm. got... He is, I think he has all of these things. I just want to see him sort of better develop them, I guess. Yeah. Or exactly. see them more often. In these notes, because eventually I was tired of writing notes, there's <laughs> Alex Petrangelo... There's Jake Wallman. There's Jordan Schmaltz. I think you can pretty much say Alex Petrangelo had a really good offensive year last year. Alex Petrangelo is, right? And you hope he just keeps it up. Yeah. Especially, like, if if October of Alex Petrangelo could be all year Alex Petrangelo, he's one and a I mean, do you remember that? When people were like, this guy's like Norris Trophy. Norris, yeah, Yeah. exactly. And then, yeah, it just kind of slowed down a little. And he should be in that conversation regardless. It's just that he doesn't have the sexy point totals that the other guys have. Which frustrates me to no end, but it's a topic for a different night. Mm-hmm. And then I think you kind of talk about Jordan Schmaltz and Jake Wallman sort of in the same breath and that Schmaltz is older than Wallman, but Wallman's getting up there too kind of as a prospect in terms of age. And it's sort of, I think Schmaltz has the bigger task of trying to make himself relevant on this team. Mm-hmm. He has a two-year contract now. This year is a two-way contract and the next year's one. And maybe again, that was a cool I, deal. I mean, yeah. we talked about it, but well, I'm sure the thought is they're clearing Bo Meester out, they're clearing Gunnarsson out. Both of those guys are gone. They're sure. pretty much. I'm there's, I'm like 99.9 percent <coughs> that contract is just them going and probably literally saying to him like, look, it's going to be kind of hard for you to make this team <laughs> right now, uh-huh. or maybe you will if we have an injury, but like. The next year, we're just going to have you on this team, and I hope you're good then. Yeah. And I feel kind of bad because they haven't given him that many shots. Like, I hope you're a good I NHL like player. Th- I mean, I like it, though, because, like, granted, he'll be old to be a prospect then. He's old to be a prospect now. But, like, give him a year. And if yeah. he's fine on your third line, then cool. keep him yeah. and try him on the second or whatever. And if he's not there, then you can kind of cut your ties and move on. Like, I think... The weird thing about his evolution is that, like, we're past the point where he's, like, got that, ooh, former first-rounder mm-hmm. thing on him. He was first, right? Or was he a, our first pick that was high in the second? Whichever it was, like, former yeah. top pick. I know he was, like, our top overall pick, and I think it was in the first. But anyway, like, it's almost been so long that we're just like, oh, struggling prospect and not, like, former first-rounder that's a failure, you know? Yeah. So, I kind of like that system where it's like, okay, we're throwing you in ready or not next year, so be ready, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think we can move on from defensemen. This team's defensive core, we know what it is. Terrible. Um, and we're pushing towards the three-hour <laughs> mark, so let's talk about goalies and then playoffs and then get out of here. Uh, Jake Allen, I mean, we've done all this talking, and we hadn't talked about the biggest elephant in the room. He was not good last year. Parts. So here's the thing that worried me a lot today when I looked at it. Mm-hmm. I think we kind of talk about Jake Allen as being bad for a stretch in the season and good the rest of the time. I looked at his numbers month by month, and it was more worrisome than that. In October, he was very good. He had a 921 save percentage and a 246 goals against average. In November, he dropped to 891 and 310, Ooh. which we do not talk about. And then in December, he was back up to really good, 922, 224. 
And then January and February, which is what we talked about combined, it was a 374 goals against and an 875 save percentage, which is inconceivably atrocious. How did we only miss the playoffs by a point? (laughs) I don't know. I mean, Carter Hutton, I guess, is the answer. Oh, that's right. In March, he was, and really Carter Hutton, because like he was the best goalie in hockey. Yeah. Was like amazing for us. Yeah. And so without him, we're. What a seventy-point team! Honestly, like yeah. without a, well, I mean, it could have been any backup goalie, but with just an average backup, yeah, a seventy-point team easily. Um, I mean, with that October under the belt, maybe eighty, but not more than that. Anyway, January, yeah, so three seventy-four, eight seventy-five in January, and then March he was good again, nine sixteen, two twenty-seven, and then you know it was only three games, but three critical games. In April, he was back down to an 896, 345, including, I think, that last game he started against the Avalanche. I, I, just, I don't know. I don't think it's going to happen. I, I hope he's better this year. I think he'll be better this year. But I think the idea that Jake Allen is ever your stalwart, consistent starting goaltender, I just don't have any hope at this point. I hope he proves me wrong. The athleticism is there. Like, we can talk all we want about how the head isn't there. The athleticism certainly is. The Wild Series was insane. I mean, we Mm -hmm. all know that. We all know what the heights of Jake Allen can look like. Really, the second half of that whole season, he was the best goaltender in hockey. Mm -hmm. So, you know, after Mike Yo and Brodeur took over, we we can talk about it all day. But, I mean, it's just kind of time to put skin in the game, whatever expression you want to use, and it's time for the rubber to meet the road and him to prove it, or not prove it, and then we need to bail immediately. I want, I mean, I want to know that there are backup plans in Armstrong's head that are better than Chad Johnson to bail on this project this year, Mm -hmm. if it doesn't work out. And I'm not confident that there are, but I, yeah, I there, want there to be. There needs to be a plan B, C, and D for this. Because yeah. mm, I don't think he's a starting goalie for the Blues by the end of the year. I really don't. I just don't. But then who is, though? I have no. I have zero answer for you. Fair enough. <laughs> I like. I just over last year he had a negative ten thirty four goals saved above average, which is bad, mm. and a four four eighty two quality start percentage which, as I mentioned above earlier, is games where your save percentage for the game is above the league average for the year, which is usually either 9-12 or 9-13. And they had eight really bad starts, which is a similar, the opposite stat, where your save percentage is lower than Mm 8-50, which is so bad. I I don't know. I mean, we've been talking about it all summer. I don't know what more there is to say. He has to have backup plans. The good news is several decent goaltenders on one-year contracts. I'm not saying we can bring Sergei Bobrovsky in here permanently, but if that if it like gets to trade deadline time and the Blue Jackets aren't in it, that can be your temporary solution. You know. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you can afford to extend him and keep everything else going in the right direction next year, especially with the extensions you need to offer and all that. But, like, 
that could be your temporary solution. Maybe Billy Huso's ready in a year. I don't think he's ready to start 60 NHL games. But maybe it's 45 and you find a suitable, like a Jacob Markstrom backup, Jimmy Howard backup, who's like been a starter and yeah. it's an t- even timeshare. It won't be pretty, but here's the th- here's the real thing. But those all those Jimmy all just Howard sound is so, not. Those all sound so silly. They sound silly. I mean, like that they. It's gonna be like it's impossible. Like it's yeah. not impossible. Like here's the thing, though. Here's if the he thing. craters, I don't know what the plan is. Right, you're right. No, you're absolutely right. I just I there has to. I mean, there has to be one because everything. I'm not saying there has to be one. Like in fact. I'm just saying, like, for my comfort, I'm, I must believe there is one. Because every <laughs> amazing thing Doug Armstrong has done this year is for naught if Jake yeah. Allen is... We are the Titanic. We and, see and, the iceberg, but there are no lifeboats. And I realize, I realize the whole fan base picks on Jake Allen. So there's this weird sub-segment, and I don't want to drag this out too much longer, but we're in this deep anyway. But there's this weird sub-segment of Blues fans that are like, and it's a very small segment, but they're like defenders of Jake Allen, where they're like, well, the team in front of him was crap last year, and they were. But the team in front of him was not at fault for how bad he was at stretches this year. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We can move on. We'll talk about it plenty this season. We wish him the best. By contrast, I think Chad Johnson is exactly the sort of goalie that comes in here and becomes, you know, not Carter Hutton or even necessarily Brian Elliott levels of... Well, I could see him doing right? a fine job here. But, Just mean, being a I fine goalie. I think he could goalie. be a 9-20-250 kind of guy. 9-15-270 yeah. sort, of, sort of goalie. Uh, last year he was terrible, eight ninety one, three fifty five. But he was the backup in Buffalo. Like, excuse me for not getting worked <laughs> up over those numbers. Uh, he had even worse metrics than Allen. But over his career, he's had actually a five twenty three quality start percentage. So more than half of his games have been quality starts. Between playing for the Rangers. The Coyotes, the Bruins, the Islanders, the Sabres, the Flames, and then the Sabres again. <laughs> um, I really do think, you know, he had a he had a he's had a nine sixty one save percentage and a one hundred one goals against average in like I don't know like two preseason games. I think he had one shutout, um, but I think he's exactly the kind of goalie that will just bring in here and be like. You're fixed. Yeah, like he's there, our, he's our there new was project. A, there was a weird time for the Cardinals where they would take like broken, washed up pitchers and be like, "Okay, you're a totally suitable like third or fourth starter now." And I think we're kind of doing that with backup goalies. Like, okay, you're you're the you're the band aid now, and you're a perfectly fine backup. Uh, Billy Huso, I think we really like him. He's not going to be out this year, but I think he's ready to start games. In the NHL, like if if one of these guys goes down, you can I think bring he can up be fine. the backup, and yeah. it's not that weird thing where it was last year, where it's like Billy Huso is up here, but Carter Hutton is our only goalie, <laughs> or vice, or you yeah, know, even when Jake Allen was the only goalie. I think Huso even just starting all these games in the AHL will be nice for one because he gets the experience, but two, from a fan perspective, he's not like Jordan Bennington who has a good season with 
Providence, the Providence Bruins, and mm-hmm. you have zero idea who's on the Providence yeah. Bruins. So is it Bennington or is it the system or is it the decor in mm-hmm. front of them? Here we'll know who's in San Antonio and we can see the stat line and we can actually read like, okay, this is Huso standing on his head. Oh, this is, you know, the decor being better. You can just get a way better read on them. Yeah, I would. the only thing I'll say, and we can do our playoffs predictions quickly and then get out of here, but like... The only thing I'll say about Huso is thank God we have a guy in his second AHL system who's a season who is a diff- decent <laughs> goalie prospect. Yeah. Because if we were entering this season with Allen and no hope behind him, I'd be like, oh, so this was all worth. Do <laughs> <laughs> um, you have anything more to say about the Blues in general? I'm excited. Next, I'm very excited. Mark, Mark's excited. excited. <laughs> Eugene's excited. The, the sponsors. Um, next week we'll be covering a game. Think about that. That's crazy. What um, that's thinking. Um, and our podcast will be much shorter. Playoff prediction. Three hours for one game <laughs> that in, just ended. In the Atlantic Division, I'm saying Lightning Bruins Maple Leafs. Obviously. And then I'm saying Panthers and Savers make oh. it from the Atlantic. And then the Metropolitan Division is just the Capitals, Penguins, and Flyers. Devils aren't doing it again. Sorry, no, I Taylor. believe you. I believe um, and you. then whoever the other kind of fringe team. Columbus? Columbus, yeah. Oh, they're, really? They're too dysfunctional this year. Artemi and Oh, Bobrovsky had some weird comments. And yeah. I don't, I don't think so. And then you want to do your your East? I'm going to do it by by memory because my computer has died. Oh, God. I'm uh, so sorry. <laughs> um, let's see. I had... Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, Washington. And then I had the Blue Jackets and the Panthers as wild cards. So then my Atlantic was Tampa, Toronto, Boston. So I like the Panthers too. I like the I think the Who Panthers make it. Blue Jackets. Blue Jackets. I think there's they're like the wild to me of the East where it's like You'll just make it because you're just kind of good enough. I guess. I can see that. I mean, these will all be wrong, so oh, what do we yeah. know? Um, Western Conference, <coughs> Pacific Division, I had the Sharks, Kings, Ducks, and I went out on a limb and said the Coyotes because I love their goaltender. I'm just starstruck in love with him. You right are now. tired. And then Preds, Jets, Blues, and I stuck with my gut and said the stars, even though there's really no reason to. (laughs) Let's see. I did Sharks, Knights, Oilers, and then the wild card out of there was... Kings can get boned? The wild card was the Kings. Oh, Ducks can get boned? Yeah, Ducks out. (laughs) Ducks have no Corey Perry, who I also thought wasn't going to help them, but now that he's hurt, I'm like, you needed him. (laughs) So um, Then that was, yeah, Jets. I think Jets take the central. Jets, Preds, Blues. And then I went, you convinced me. I was like, I think it's going to be the wild again. Think I think it's gonna be the stars. Oh, nice! I'm I'm so glad I had this power. Who is your Stanley Cup final prediction? Oh, this is the one I gotta remember. It's the same as mine. You want me to do mine? Is it? Mine is the Jets and the Lightning. I'm being very boring. Man, yours were okay. Yours made sense. I even forgot about the Jets. Mine was uh, what was mine? The Sharks. 
The sharks, the sharks, blue jackets. <laughs> <laughs> I like the that laugh. <laughs> what an idiot! No, that'd be awesome. I'd love it. But sharks and five. I'd love, I'd love the blue jackets to overcome their dysfunction. It's been three hours. We started too late. We're ending far too late. If you're still here, we're a podcast. <laughs> what are some secrets I have about myself that you can Ooh. now learn? Nothing. I've got nothing. I'm true. I, I can't think of any any either. We lead very boring I, lives. I write for the hockey writers, which I never mention on here. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I played violin in high school, so there you go. That's your secret. Wow. <laughs> um, thank you all for listening. It's hockey next week. Get excited. Get hype. I'm and, excited. And always keep one eye open for Gritty. <laughs>